Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to the Totally Driven Entertainment Radio Network. In the future, none of you are heroes. You're legends. Get driven. Stay driven. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening and thank you for tuning in to our Thursday night programming of Totally Driven Radio. <laughs> but why wouldn't you tune into the greatest show heard all around the world? <laughs> driven that's right totally driven radio we are live on the air and we are not only are we nationwide but we are freaking worldwide all around the globe and you never know you could be one of the areas they're getting a bomb dropped on you as well so no no laugh for my co-host i was waiting for a laugh but anyway (laughs) my name is bay ragney and we got a special show for you tonight we have uh, we're doing one of our our Knievel specials. Usually, uh, usually we do uh, you know the man himself, Mister Evil Knievel. We do uh, some specials dedicated to uh, a certain special jump in the past. Like we've done the Snake River Canyon, we've done Wembley Stadium, and we've had uh, a bunch of the the Knievel crew, uh, the old uh, the guys that used to run around and help Evil and uh, you know work on the bikes, the ramps, and uh, drive his limo or get him out of jail or whatever may have you. Um, they, we've had them all call in, tell amazing stories. Um, well, tonight we're going to take it a step further due to the, uh, the idea of my co-host. And uh, I, I thought it was a fabulous idea as soon as he uh, brought it to me. So let's, uh, let's introduce my co-host because he's the one who uh, has really put all these Knievel specials together Um the one and the only, the Pitbull, the ATV Daredevil himself, Mr. Henry Reif. What's going on there, buddy? How you doing, Bay? Uh, yeah, that's quite the introduction, so I uh, hope I live up to it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, come on. You always live up to the introduction. I certainly hope so. Uh, yeah, these Knievel uh, podcasts are pretty awesome, and uh, I hope all your uh, listeners are really digging these specials we do because I sure had a lot of fun doing it and uh, learn all kinds of shit I never knew before about the Knievel family. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's funny because, I mean, before we started doing all these specials, like I, I was like the fan growing up as the little kid in the 70s, and then, you know, you had that big gap of time that just went by that, I mean, for a person like me, I really didn't know what was going on. And then I would see the occasional, like when Robbie would come to the area, do some jumps and all, 
And then when he started doing TV appearances, I was like, okay, cool. But until the internet really came to fruition, you kind of lost contact with that whole Knievel thing. Yeah, I agree. We, uh, we're a generation, uh, the Generation Xers uh, went out there as little kids and watched a guy in uh, red, white, and blue fly through the air. And then when he retired for what, 12, 14 years, and then uh, all of a sudden the red, white, and blue started flying through the air again. And uh, it was the son of evil, Robbie. And uh, while he, he did it, you know, there's a lot of purists out there that uh, think evil can evil is the end all be all, and I'm certainly uh, right up there. But to not give Robbie credit for doing it bigger and better would definitely be a shame. And uh, you know, he, he deserves his own special. So I'm I'm glad you were into it. Yeah, I mean, and I I think you really like the title of the movie. I mean, really just sums up the whole thing with um, with Robbie and, uh, you know, chasing evil, where here is a guy who his father, let's uh, I guess his father, like, you know, he created the sport of motorcycle daredevil. He became that, like you said, that that superhero to us kids in the 70s. He became that real life gladiator. And, you know, to be the son, to have to live in those footsteps, it, it is a tough job in itself. But then when you go on and you actually, you're, you're beating your father's records, but you still don't get the respect. It's like, you're always chasing that shadow. And that's why I, I just love um, the title they came up with, with uh, chasing evil for the documentary. Yeah. One of the guests we have on tonight is uh, Mr. Lathan McKay. He's a dear friend of mine. And uh, he has single handedly, uh, really uh, brought about the uh, the resurgence of uh, the old school daredevils. Uh, I kind of pride myself as being like a bridge between the two. I mean, I wear an evil Knievel outfit, and uh, I jump with an ATV. So it's some of the old, some of the new. And uh, Lathan has uh, come along in a um, very short period and done more than anybody else that wasn't a performer. Uh, and he's right up there with uh, most of the performers. I mean, he's he's restored Evil Semi, Big Red. Uh, he's acquired most of his leathers, most of his uh, canes and jewelry and trinkets. And, uh, oh, yeah, the motorcycles. Yeah, he's got, uh, uh, I think, all of the motorcycles. So, uh, he has a collection that spans millions, and uh, this is really a labor of love for him, and his passion is very contagious, and uh, I've spent some time with him, and he, he's a great guy, and uh, we'll hear a little bit more about what he's doing with the museum and uh, these movies he's made. Anybody that hasn't uh, watched the first uh, documentary, Being Evil, is really missing out. They need to watch that. That is the best Evil Knievel documentary I've ever seen. And everything I hear about Chase Evil is uh, it's better than that. So I'm excited to see it. 
I am too. I can't wait. Uh, you know, and I mean, Lathan has become, <laughs> he's become like a hero uh, to myself. I, I know that for sure because I mean, he's, he's really, like you said, he's, um, he's continued waving that red, white, and blue flag um, for evil, for Robbie, for the whole Knievel family and really bringing into the new millennium, um, you know, they're, they're giving that um, teaching kids of today what they missed out on <laughs> that we got to enjoy in the 70s. And, and the scary part is with Lathan, though, like he's like, I think, 10 to 15, 10, I'll say 10 to 15 years. Yeah, younger than me and you. Yep. Which uh, is scary. You know, he... Go ahead, buddy. No, no, it's just scary that, you know, here's somebody who's 10 to 15 years younger than us, and it wasn't even really alive during those years of evil, and he's become such a huge uh, fan and supporter. Well, he's definitely Kendrick Spirit. He was a pro skateboarder, and uh, so, you know, he knows about uh, taking hard licks in life and uh, being a T-type personality, and uh, I don't know, uh, really not sure how the Knievel bug bit him, uh, but when it bit him pretty hard, because uh, wow, he's made a whole industry out of this, and uh, I don't know about you, but it's amazing to me that one guy could uh, manage to put all this together. Manage to put all this together. Uh, you know, you, of course, you have the fantasies that uh uh, you know, one day oh, I won the lottery and I would buy this and I'd restore that and I would do this. But he's actually done it. And I, when when they unveiled Big Red, I cried. And, uh, you know, for years I was harping on the Internet. I'm big on all the, the Knievel, you know, uh, blogs. And, and that's where I met Mike Draper. I just pissed and moaned that the, the truck was just – deteriorating and he come along and restored it and man the thing looks like brand new and uh he's doing the same with the with the the bike and uh you know his displays he has and uh wow i think of uh you know almost seven billion people on the planet he's the only one that can manage to put this together so uh i love the guy for it yeah like he's he's gone and done like what probably me and you would love to do, but we just don't have the money to do it. <laughs> he he, and, and probably like if we did have the money and we started spending the money like that, our wives might kick our asses. Oh well, you know my wife is a she's a peach. Uh, Stacy is uh she's uh the best thing, one of the best things ever happened to me for sure, and uh, she wouldn't give me any hell over it as long as we had some money to live. She would be. Uh, Backing me a hundred percent, but uh, I don't possess the brains, the wherewithal, or most importantly, the money to go about doing this. And you know, I'm talking, I've, I've spoken with Lathan, and he's uh, he's told me, you know, there's been times where he wanted to give up, and he thought, you know, going through all this was going to kill him, all the stress, and uh, so, you know, it's easy to. I, I said one time, man, you're doing this exactly how I would have done it. And he got mad at me. And I, I think he thought I was uh, uh, 
cheapening what he's done. And I had to explain to him that, uh, you know, he shares the same love that I have for not only the Knievels, but, you know, Daredevils and uh, certainly my past. You you know, I'm, I'm sure you can identify. Uh, we're, uh, we live in our childhood every time we see this stuff. And, oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's a time machine. And, uh, you know, how often do you get the chance to do that? You know, I mean, he's doing something. He's pulling heartstrings with people that most people would never be able to do. And uh, I think it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I mean, I can't thank him enough. I, I really can't. Um, because it does, it truly does make us feel young again. Um, by him keeping the, the, the whole Knievel spirit alive. And, and, and that goes to Robbie, too. You know, because Robbie, uh, you know, every time you see those leathers fly through the air, you still, you get that feeling. You, you get that, you know. And, and even you, Henry, when I see you fly through the air wearing those leathers, you, you know, you always, you get that flashback to being that kid again. So for that, you know, seven, eight seconds, you're airborne, you know, you get that feeling. I've certainly had some of the feelings of uh, smashing into the pavement too. So uh, take my word for it. Don't do it. Uh, uh, just watch the successful jumps and uh, cheer us on. And uh, those uh, those crashes, those are mulligans. <laughs> now, I actually I got to meet Robbie one time back in like I think it was around eighty seven, eighty seven or eighty eight at a at a World of Wheels car show here in, in Philadelphia. And uh, that was like the touring car show. He's going around the country. And he was there. And I went over to him and, and got the chance to meet him. And I asked him, I said, I'm like, dude, like, when you crash, like, what, why, how do you get back up on that bike to go do it again? I, I'm like, don't you just like be like, that's it. I'm done. That's enough. And he's like, you know what? He goes, every time I crash, I think that and I feel that way and I say I'm done, no more. And then I go onto the construction site and I say I'm done, no more, and I go back on the, on the motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can tell you, uh, the worst crash I ever had was in 1995. I jumped a 70-foot-long mobile home with uh, about a 40-foot gap in front of it. it was, overall, it was about a 140-foot jump. And uh, I didn't do it right. I took too small of a ramp. I had to go way faster than I should have. And it actually bucked me off the quad, so I did a Superman over the whole thing. And uh, I had a very serious uh, illness. I had uh, uh, about a foot of my intestines taken out uh, about a month and a half before that. And I shouldn't have done it, but I did. And when I crashed, I had to let go of the quad because I was afraid of uh, internal bleeding from that operation. So I let the quad go. I hit the ground, broke both my legs, broke an arm, broke a collarbone, and broke a wrist. And then it knocked me out for 45 minutes. And let me tell you something. I, I felt like I'd been pounded by a sledgehammer uh, all over my body. I've never felt pain like that, ever. And that's the only time I ever hollered that I didn't want to jump anymore, and it lasted about 48 hours, and then I was ready to peel up and 
get back on it. So I just think it's who we are, what we do. That's certainly what I was made to do in the Robbie. And um, he is probably, and my, you know, you, you have these guys out here that jump off of these mega ramps, you know, and uh, I have a friend, his name's Jason Bird. He's a jumper, and he's jumping 500 feet on dirt bikes. And that's insane. Super, oh, that's crazy. But it's all crazy. But uh, Robbie has probably been the most innovative, uh, certainly one of the most talented. And, uh, you know, he's, not only has he followed in his father's footsteps, he's, he's you know, money-wise, he probably hasn't outdone him, but uh, talent-wise, it's not even close. And, uh, you know, he's certainly, there's been a lot of friction with Evil and Robbie all through Robbie's life, and I, I, I just think it's because they're exactly alike, don't you? Oh, yeah. Like father, like son. Well, I, I agree. Um, I know Robbie. We're friends, and uh, you know we're not super close, but uh, we do enjoy each other's company. And uh, you know, I, I, I every I've met him five times now. I've been around him five times, and uh, every time I'm around him, the guy could not be any nicer. And uh, you know, we have. Uh, you know, so far into the Knievel stuff, I, you know, that I wear the outfits and everything. Um, we've talked about it, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a homage. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's certainly not trying to take anything away from the name or any of that. Uh, it's, it's meant as a, a, a bit of appreciation in the uh, guys have done. Sure. Uh, now, you know, go ahead. How, how many times have you seen um, uh, Robbie jump? Uh, let's see. Yes. Uh, well, I have. I got a good story for you. If you got a little bit of time, and you we got, we got some time, to we got. Lathan will be calling in. the The infamous Lathan McKay will be calling in about eight thirty. Okay, so this will just take a couple minutes, but it is a. It's a very sweet story. Um, I had a, uh, when I was 20, so this would put it back in uh, right around 1989, uh, a beautiful girl, you know, she was a couple years younger than me, and uh, we dated, and the summer we dated, uh, I kept hearing Robert Knievel was going to jump to found the Caesar's Palace. And this went on, you know, you hear the occasional a uh, couple second news drop in the news, you know, they drop his name and, you know, piping the show and all this. And all through that summer, uh, they, uh, I, I suppose it was the summer of uh, 88, uh, leading up to 89. And uh, anyway, uh, this girl I dated, she, in November, she got sick. And uh, we found out she had leukemia. And she spent uh, several months in the hospital. And um, we went through all that, and it became apparent that she wasn't going to pull through it. I got a phone to go see her. And it happened to be, on the very night, Robbie Knievel was jumping the fountains at Caesar's Palace. 
Uh, she suffered through all this, and uh, I sat there and was holding her hand, and we heard on the radio that um, Robbie just successfully jumped the, um, the fountains, and I and uh, I listened to that, and uh, she looked at me, and she couldn't really even talk. She just whispered, so he made it, huh? And uh, I said, yeah. And it wasn't, well, I don't know. It was less than two hours later she was gone. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah. So that jump has a lot of meaning every time I see it. But the other part about it, uh, a few years ago I did a jump in Pennsylvania and uh, signing autographs and taking pictures uh, was Robbie Knievel. He was there. And he seen me come out of the tent all dressed up like him and his dad. And, yeah, he really wasn't into, I don't think he was into watching the ATV jump until he saw me dressed up. You know, the care I went in. I mean, my leathers are exact. You can right. You've seen Mm-hmm. So, line over, and uh, we started talking, and uh, I told him that story. And you could just see the, uh, you know, that, that touched him. And you know, I thought that was extremely sweet and, and caring. I mean, he stood there and, and listened to that, and he asked all kinds of questions about her, and um, that was uh, one of my great Robbie moments. He, you know, and, and then he walked up the stage. And he wasn't supposed to do it, and he introduced me. And his daughter sung the national anthem, and that was—I have it on video, but I haven't shared that with anybody yet. But uh, uh, that was pretty awesome. Wow. So that's my Caesar's Robbie story. I've I've met him. Uh, Let's see. I the first time I met him was uh, in Las Vegas. Uh, he was jumping for Fox TV. He did the 30 limo jump, and oh. I went and yeah, I went and saw that, and I was a guest of Evil Knievel. He sent me a plane ticket, and so I had Evil Knievel call me up on the phone and uh, ask me if I want to come to Vegas. <laughs> really? Are you gonna ask me twice? No way. Yeah, right. I was there. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty awesome. Uh, so I got to meet Evil, and uh, uh, along with that, uh, I got to hang out with Robbie for a little bit. And uh, Dan Haggerty tried to fight me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So that was that was an interesting night. Matthew McConaughey was there, and um, uh, Michael Jackson's dad was there. Uh, who else? I mean. Which all person the, don't belong? What's that? I said, which person doesn't belong? Yeah, yeah. There, yeah. well, there was a, there was a couple, uh, and then it was a like a summit meeting for uh, Daredevils. Uh, uh, Bubba Blackwell was there. Um, Louis Ree. Uh, I don't know if Doug Danger was there or not, but uh, I think he was. Um, you know, there was. Uh, you know, these these Daredevils are pretty tight crowds, and uh, you go to a Robbie jump, you see uh, all the old 70s Daredevils, and 
you know, uh, it's great to see them guys. Uh, I tend to not do that. Not that there's anything wrong with it. You know, I just, I don't want to be a hanger on. I'm a fan and I'm a friend, but I, I, you know, I'm not the type to, uh, uh, right on people's coattails. So, uh, uh, and I'm not saying anybody's doing that. I just never wanted the, you know, people to think that. Um, but uh, then I seen him at uh, Kings Island here in Ohio, and that was, oh, a, nice. man, that was an awesome jump. He made it by like a foot. Wow. Yeah, that was that was pretty cool. And um, let's see, uh, just a couple months ago, he was back here in Ohio in Dayton, and I had to pop in the, uh, the old Cherokee and go pay him a visit. And as I was walking down the hill, he signed an autograph and he looked up and seen me and uh, had a big old smile on his face. And, you know, he, he looked pretty tired. And he didn't he looked like he wasn't feeling very well. But uh, you know, he ran over and hugged me and we we talked a couple of minutes and then we got out of there. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I've got a nice friendship with him. He's a great guy. Nice. That's awesome. Now, now, did you say you actually uh, you jumped while he was there at one time? Yeah, I did in Pennsylvania. At the uh, there's an event called the Cornfield 500. Um, you guys need to look this up on the internet. They do it every year. That is a really cool deal they have. It's a it's a race, uh, but they have uh, side acts and stuff. And uh, Sabrina Miller and her husband Blank. Uh, they had us there, and they had Robbie there, and you know, <laughs> they really didn't do exactly what I wanted. They basically uh, give me an open area and no landing ramp. <laughs> but Robbie was watching, so I hit that takeoff ramp with everything I had, and I was flat landing it pretty much. And uh, man, that was knocking the shit out of me. But there's Robbie <laughs> over on the sidelines. Yeah, yeah. That was pretty neat. So, uh, and then he walked over and gave me a necklace. And uh, yeah, he's he's a great guy. That's awesome. Now, did you feel like? Um, I, I I mean, to put it this way, like you're jumping in front of a Knievel, like pressure, any pressure at all? Uh, absolutely. I mean. Uh, I wish, it, well, and, and, you know, I always wanted to jump, in, you know, in front of uh, Evil. And uh, I kind of got the chance to do that. Um, I did David Letterman uh, in, uh, when was that, 07, something like that. And uh, they had a rider strike, if you remember. So, mm-hmm. like, three weeks later, they showed that again. They got put back on there. And he was not doing well health wise. And I sent uh I, I sent a message and uh, I believe Crystal got it, his his wife. And I said something like, uh, hey, this is gonna be on and uh he knows me and uh if you have the opportunity, um could you you know, get him to watch that and uh uh I got a message that said he watched it and loved it. So I got that done. Um, and then Robbie's standing there 
watching me jump in Pennsylvania. And, yeah, man, I, you're not going to half-ass it when uh, one of your uh, heroes is there. Uh, I mean, you know, would you would you not swing for the uh, fences if uh, Babe Ruth was watching? Oh, right. Well, well I, the way I was going to spin this que- whole question was, imagine how he must have felt performing in front of his father all those years, especially as a child. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's a, that's a, well, you know, and I've always heard, I don't know this for a fact, because I have to say, both Robbie and Evil, in my presence, you know, people warned me not to go. They said, these, these guys are, they're, you know, they're this way or that way, and, uh, I was, they said I was, you know, several people said I was going to be disappointed. And uh, I went and hung out with Evil, and he couldn't have been any nicer. And I, I was I was touched. Uh, again, this was in uh, 98, and uh, a week before that, my sister passed, and he heard about that. And he, he you know, he, he spent a couple minutes in talking to me about that. And, you know, they didn't have to do that. And it, it, it that meant a lot to me that all these people are pestering them for autographs and stuff, and they took a, a few minutes to talk to us. So uh, they could have been any nicer around me, but I've always heard that you know, well, the, you know, these guys are kind of grumpy and they're kind of this and they're kind of that. I've never seen that. Uh, but growing up, some people can evil. The guy's name is Evil. That should be an indication that uh, <laughs> he don't take no shit. Right. And, uh, you know, he named he nicknamed his son Captain, as in uh, you know, comic book character. You know, like uh, um, I don't know who's the, who's the superhero uh, with Captain Marvel, or whatever. Well, I mean, you got a family like that. You got the. Uh, you got you got dynamite waiting to happen. I'm sure. Now I, I was wondering how he got the nickname Captain. So it was uh, his dad that did it. Yeah, uh, that's my understanding. Uh, when he jumped and cleared the fountains at uh, Caesar's Palace, Evil did it in '67, and then uh, Gary Wells tried it in uh, 1980, I think, and. Well, if you guys haven't ever seen that crash, you need to look that up on YouTube. That's a uh, pretty gnarly. Uh, yeah. But uh, eighty-nine rolls around and Robbie does it, and you know people are making a big deal. If you watch the the show, I have it on tape. People make the big deal because Gary Wells rode past these ramps or something, and and supposedly. You know, when Gary crashed, he blamed it on uh, Evil Knievel or Robbie Knievel and their minions moving the ramp at night, which is complete bullshit. Uh, did you know that? That he blamed? I didn't know he blamed them. I know oh, he. Yeah, he said. Moving. Yeah, he said that uh, the the one of the Knievels had people move his ramps in the middle of the night, oh, which is. Really, I mean, come on. You just didn't hit the ramp straight. We all do it. I've done it. You know, nobody's going to try and get you hurt. I mean, that's just ridiculous to say something like that. 
And right. I, I, knowing Robbie, there's no way. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he comes along and um, he pulls it off. And he actually, he made it look easy. You know, most of these jumps that I've had people tell me over the years, uh, yeah, he made that look too easy. Well, uh, there's a four-wheeler. You can swing a leg over it and you can give it a shot and we'll see how easy it is. Uh, same thing with him, man. He he went out there and uh, he just did it absolutely perfect. And uh, his dad made the comment, so I've heard, so is the folklore, uh, that only a super uh, superhuman could have done that, a superhero. Uh, he must be uh, Captain Robbie Knievel. Now, he also made the comment that, you know, as Robbie was uh, growing older, that he was also the captain of his own ship. So uh, that might be a little bit into that, too. But, uh, yeah, that's the story I was always told. All right. Well, let's uh, let's welcome to the show. I know this is definitely one person, so let's get him on the line. Let's welcome to the show the man we've been talking about for the last half hour, and it's not the captain yet. It's the one and the only Mr. Lathan McKay. What's going on there, buddy? Testing one two eight nine eighty. <laughs> <laughs> yes. How's it going? You passed your test. What's up, Henry? What's up, Henry? How you doing, buddy? Bay, how you doing? You guys find uh, did you find Jesse James Miller yet? Well, let's let's see if this is him on the line. There's been other people been calling in throughout the it show. Better be or it's, it's not Don Rickles. <laughs> hope I, I sure hope I am. Definitely uh, I, not. There he is. It's not Don yeah. Rickles, although that would have been pretty impressive. Let's, I would have been dead. Well, that would have been not too good. But anyway, no, let, no. Let, let's welcome to the show the producer, writer, and director of Chasing Evil, Mr. Jesse James Miller. How you doing there, buddy? Good. I'm good, man. How are you? What's going on? Good. Good. He's so, Canadian. Uh, He's great. Honor to be with Lathan again. We we got <laughs> we go way back. <laughs> We've been through hell. <laughs> so so I I guess you and Lathan have been uh, friends before this whole Knievel extravaganza started, or? Um, actually, I met him uh, throughout the process. I think I met him on our. Um, we met in evil, we day, met evil, evil days. We met evil at, days, in shoot. evil's truck. Actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I kind of I was. Yeah, I was kind of waiting to find the sane person in the process of making this film, and I kind of looked over and I thought, he doesn't look sane, but maybe he is. And once he started talking, I thought, oh, God, at least somebody human. Um, <laughs> so that's how I met Lathan. Uh, no, he was he was great right away, and I think um, because he'd been through a couple other evil films, he knew what I was dealing with and helped out from that minute minute forward. Now, were you um were you a fan of uh, the whole Knievel family uh, going into this, or did you become a fan? <laughs> um, I mean, I'm a filmmaker, so uh, I, I I'm not a fan uh, per se. Uh, I had done um, bio bio big bio docs before, one on Boom Boom Mancini, life story of him. Um, nice. So love that. No. Thank you. Yeah, I just, I mean, honestly, when I, I always knew about Robbie, I always knew about Ray, but um, 
you know, I, I didn't spend a lot of time as a Knievel fan, no, but I became one throughout the making of it for sure. Now, how about like um, when you're when you're going through this and, and making this, when you're finding out this stuff, especially with with Robbie's uh, life and things he's gone through, and you know battles he's had, and um, the whole again, I keep saying it, the, the, the title of the movie, Chasing Evil, I think it just sums it up. Did it uh, kind of blow you away at times? Yeah, I mean, I can't I can't lie. Every time you you get in one involved in one of these things, it's it's uh, life threatening. Um, you know, I I think that yeah, that's the whole process of making a film about somebody's life. Um, it, it, there's a lot of twists and turns. Robbie's was especially difficult, just in terms of the scope and the scale of. It's always difficult dealing with somebody who's alive. With Ray, he was in the entertainment industry. He knew about it. With Robbie, you know. You're telling somebody's story while they're alive, and it, 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 there's a lot of twists and turns with doing a film like that. So, Robbie is, you know, I love Robbie. He's a very sophisticated guy. He's very layered and complex, and there's a reason for that. That's what you'll see in the, in the film itself. Uh, that's the title. Um, so, you know, I think he's really misunderstood. That's, that's a big thing that I, I, I misunderstood him. I think when I first did my reading, um, but I was intrigued by, by him right away. And I flew down to Vegas and met with him and he was, he was in rough shape at the time and he, he sobered up and we started filming, you know, and, uh, the rest is history. Now, was that like one of the things that you guys like, uh, did you say to him? Like you guys want to, <clears throat> I think he sort of said it to me. I, I, I think I said to him, this isn't going to work. You know, there's too much risk here. The, his, his story is a fantastic historical story. Uh, but then when I, um, when he phoned me and said, Hey, let's do this. And, uh, we started. So it was, it was both of our impetuses and my, my partner, Ken Johns, who, who shot it as well. We were kind of a trio at the time. Wow. Polyamorous. <laughs> <clears throat> now when you get that green light like all right this is a go like wh- for you what what is what do you have to do now like <laughs> well i to- mean there's a lot of complexities to that because you, 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 there's financiers involved there's broadcasters involved so a lot of that behind the scenes work had to happen before um we started shooting well before so that's another story but um i mean i honestly Robbie's story, if you look on Wikipedia, how many pages for evil? 56 or something? Right. Uh, Robbie has like one or two. Um, that's what was the intriguing part about the story and doing the doc is because there's so much about his life that is. Um, I would say, like the caller before, I, I didn't catch your name. Sorry about that. I, I just uh, didn't hear enough. But, you know, there's a lot of stories about Robbie, but I don't know. That's there's a lot of lore, you know, yeah. but there's not a lot of truth to a lot of the things. Um, so you know, I did a lot of writing, and we we um, we spend a lot of time in Butte, which is a character in the movie itself. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, Butte's a special place, huh, Lathan? I mean, come on, you can't. Yeah, it's yeah, no, it's it's talk about complicated. It's one of the most yeah. historically complicated places in the United States for sure. 
And I think that, you know, that became a character in the, in the film as well, because I think Knievel's, you have to understand Butte, you know, um, that there's a lot in that story. There's a lot of layers to Butte that make sense when you understand the, the, the city, or I wouldn't even call it a city. Um, what do you call it? A town? It's an entity. It's an entity. <laughs> it's a, it's an amoeba. It's a living thing. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Um, you're talking about you're talking about the Berkeley Pit now. Yeah, no duck <laughs> will live on landing. Uh, no. So, yeah, so you know, um, these things take time too, right? A lot of docs are. This is the fastest doc I've ever made, and it took two years. So, you know, wow. um, these these take time. These take time. But with Robbie, it was really about. Um, the thread was a modern thread that that uh, hung all the historical times in his life. So it sort of intercuts between now and back then. Um, and a lot of it had to do with his sobriety and him jumping in again, which he did successfully in the film. Nice, nice. Yeah, wow. you're going to see the climactic sort of piece at the end of the film is is shot fantastically. It's most beautiful, one of the most beautiful sequences of a jump I've seen. Yeah, I mean that. that thanks, Lathan. Um But <laughs> it, it, it's an epic. It's basically an epic father-son story. So I mean, you, you can fill in the blanks there. Um, the Maybe. the end jump, yeah. You know. Is is there any like uh, any tearful moment? Any sorry. Any tearful moments and moments that could uh, make a person cry? Oh God! Um, I mean, there's <laughs> a lot pretty, of tears. It's pretty emotional, yeah. That's that's what I mean. Yeah. I, that's what I'm expecting. Like a very emotional. Well, you gonna know, ask Jesse? Jesse, talk about the first time Robbie saw the film. You know, I mean, it, it, it it's it's difficult to grasp if you're not him, but it's just a powerful piece, and you know, his initial viewing of the film had to shake him up a little bit to say the least wow yeah i mean i the the thing you have to remember is because these things take so much time and they go over a span of years um the same thing happened with ray i mean when i first showed it to ray it was you know he was tough man i mean he 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 took it and and we hugged after and thank god i was there physically with with robbie it was you know him alone watching it, which I didn't want to happen. I wanted it to be in a theater and with people around him, but he, he, you know, you have to ask him, I think he's come full circle, which I know he has um, after the viewing in Missoula with his family, his family loved it. So that, but it's, it's not, it's a different take, man. It's not a, it's not a highlight film. Right. You know, it's not a highlight film. So, I mean, there's highlights in it. You know, the Caesars jump is fully in it and this Fox days are in it, but this is a, the intricate story between a father and a son at a high level, yeah. a very high level. Now, now like you, were, <laughs> you were saying how it took like uh, over two years to do, and this is the quickest one, but how much, like, <laughs> the scary part is how much footage did you have to go through? <laughs> well, you want to talk about, you want to talk about, yeah. <laughs> no, well, the, when I got back to <clears throat> the vault, we had this vault where we kept a lot of stuff. It's kind of a bunker underneath the ground here um, where we kept all the perishable, you know, like footage, all of evil's footage included. But 
some of the stuff we saved from this guy um, we acquired, it it actually was, I'd say, three or 400 pounds of every inch and shot of Robbie's career. And so when, yeah, I mean, uh, so it, it was an arduous task to say the least, but you go in, when I was talking to Jesse, the first thing I did was gather up out of 20,000 photographs was I cherry picked what I thought would contribute to the film and I mailed that to, to Jesse. And then the next step was, I think it was three of those full camping trunks four. full of footage. Four. four. Yeah. four. yeah. I mean, yeah. it was, it was five, five to 600 tapes in various mediums and formats all the way from VHSC to, you know, so I shipped that to Jesse and he had an intern, you know, and, and part of that stuff wasn't the story, but they did get what they needed out of it. But the footage which we've sent um, back to Kristen Knievel to save for her, you know, for Robbie's grandkid to have for the future. It was just enormous. And I don't think, I think the kid, I think the kid would still be watching it to this day. Well, you know, the unfor- um, unfortunately the kid didn't last long. Um, so <laughs> I ended up, uh, I ended up basically what ended up happening is that, you, you know, you, you start to have to go through it yourself and, and, um, and you can't yeah. actually physically uh, capture all of it. So um, we did the best we could. I, I think a lot of it was falling. A lot of it was falling apart, and and uh, you know because of the the time period, because of the VHS dropouts and stuff like that, a lot of the stuff's dead. So um, we did the best we. There's a lot of stuff in in that in that in that film that I don't think has ever been seen before. Um, no, especially the, especially the photographs. I sent you stuff that we've been kind of holding on to. I think people are going to be excited to see. You know, like, like for instance, the picture of Robbie playing drums with his Kiss makeup yeah. on and things of that nature. Yeah. Classic. <laughs> I'm like. Oh yeah, there's there's Jesse did a great job too. We we initially he initially had this you know this background this digitized background of he was trying to capture the '70s aesthetic for to place the photos on. And I, when I first saw it, so I was like, Oh dude, let's use, let's use the curtains from evil's truck, which I don't know if everybody knows that was the hardest thing to restore on evil's rig were the curtains. Cause we had one sample and then I had to have it scanned and duplicated. And so I sent him the sample of that. And so the background you see in that portion of the film is the, is the curtain pattern from evil semi. Um, but there's a lot of authenticity in there. Yeah, we we spent a lot of time with um in in every decade in the historical sections in every decade there's a back, specialized background for everything. So so Lathan's talking about the 70s portion and so you know a lot of time was spent on trying to get as close to the authentic time as we could. Um you know, no one will ever <laughs> no one will ever know, but <laughs> as filmmakers we're at least trying to do that. Yeah. So, so what is the plan now with uh, with the film? Like, uh, is I think you guys are doing like a tour. It looks like uh, film festival tour. Or? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like like every independent feature, uh, you we have a, a sales agent, distributor, and a, and a broadcaster. And and in, before it goes to air, which I think is in September, um, we get uh, like a contracted film festival circuit time. Mm-hmm. Um, built into the into the contract so we have until september we we've done a couple we're doing nashville coming up uh 
couple weeks, Nathan? Next, next, next Thursday and Friday. Yeah, next Thursday, Friday. Um, if we go to Edmonton after that on May 12th, I think. Um, and then there's a bunch of a bunch more coming up in the summer. Um, you know, um, based on on how well that film does after the broadcast, then we might do an exclusive theatrical with Robbie, oh, which nice. is um, that's the intent. We would do six cities uh, with Robbie. Um, but that that's sort of out of our hands. It's up to the numbers and the agents and, you know, the right. business part. Um, right. <laughs> you know, we, we, we have that ready with Robbie. It's just, it's just, if it can be set up. I think, I think that, you know, this kind of, you know, this kind of stuff that we do with your help, you know, getting it out there and getting people out to see it is really essential for the ground movement of any film. Um, although, you know, they do get, we do have a broadcaster, but it just helps to get the groundswell going. You know, a lot of people don't remember, you know, a lot of people don't remember Robbie or evil. Some, some generations don't know, you know, <laughs> which think about that. I mean, for us old codgers, it's like, well, you don't know evil can evil. No, yeah. I don't know evil can evil. These 20 year olds, right? It, it, it's so, scary. Yeah. My own kids. If it wasn't for me, they would like look at me like, "Who? What? What did he do?" Yeah, I know. It's it's a weird thing, you know. And like, I would be hanging out in L.A. with Ray, and you know, I'm with the lightweight champ of the world, Boom Boom, and nobody, you know, some people, a lot of people, like 30 and up. Hey, Ray, how you doing? And then, but you know, the 15 year olds and the 20 20 year olds like have no idea. Else is- Everyone else is staring at their cell phones. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're playing Pokemon. Playing Go. Candy Candy Crush or whatever the hell it is. But I think I think you know, in conclusion, you know, like there's a lot of people need to know about Robbie because he's like the last of the Mohicans, you know. And um, I don't know if he'll ever jump again. We might have seen the last of that. Maybe um, he hurt himself pretty bad on our jump. Really bad. Uh, he had a couple back surgeries <clears> after. Um, and so it's kind of like, you know, not many people get that opportunity to see old school jumper, you know. Right. I mean, he's not jumping 500 feet, but he's jumping. <laughs> those are thin fucking ramps. Oops. Those are thin ramps, man. <laughs> I mean, I walk, I walk them, and I'm like, why, Robbie, why don't you make this wider? Can't, man. Can't. What do you mean you can't? You just make it wider. No, man, this is my dad did this. You know, you know, not that's gonna see a, that anymore. I always wondered myself, like those little, like uh, little, the little strips that they they put together for like these these runways, and, and it would always freak me out. Like I'd be afraid just to fall off of the thing. Well, you should be. You're human. These guys right. are human. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, knows you, a lot more about. Lathan knows a lot more about that, but I always questioned Robbie when we were at the jump. Like, why don't you have a wider takeoff ramp? You know, but the old school guys didn't do it that way. So I don't know. I don't. I, I, yeah, I, mean, I, don't, I still don't have. I don't know everything, but I just know that having a light, a wider landing ramp is essential to. <laughs> <laughs> at least it's not the other way around. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Well, you know, the be, crazy uh, that would be the Polak Kanolak joke, I think. Well, the the crazy part is like uh 
you know, I don't want to give away our film, but there's an, there's an accident that happens. And we were like, he knew that that was going to happen. And he still jumped. <clears throat> so he, I he mean, knew what kind of person does that? Well, they just didn't have enough uh, room in the, in the area to, to land. So, I mean, it's not really, we don't go into the detail of that, but. These are the old school daredevils, man. They don't make them like that anymore. As long as there's some hay bales around, it's a go. Yeah, I know, but the hay bales are damn hard, man. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm just saying. Right? That's that's the uh, that's the green light is the hay bales. The hay bales is the green light, but they're like cement, and no kid in their right mind will do that now. But the Knievels, they just they just if they said they were going to do it, they did it. You know, like what kind of people yeah. are they? Right? <clears throat> the hay, hay bales are essential. Like if, if you look in all the, uh, like all the Robbie clips that you can find, like on YouTube, there is hail, hay bales at the, uh, the end, ending of every ramp <laughs> that he goes into. Well, the thing about Robbie, and I think really people have to understand is that he was so poetically amazing in the air. Like he was so good at what he did. He was far better than his dad and his dad even said that and Kenny Brown says that in the film and and he made things look really easy and I think that yeah. might have taken away from from his brilliance you know because he was brilliant he, he really was he was a virtuoso kind of bike rider that he spent more time on his bike than his dad you know yes he had a different bike and lighter suspension and all that shit but I don't even know why they go on to that because the fact is he just was better and he should be better. He's a, he's a son. My son's better than me. My son's writing code right now upstairs. He's 11 years old and he's making films. So like, wow. That's evolution, right? Like yeah. that's that's what we want. <laughs> the true. human race wants better. That is true. <clears throat> but you, you, that is a good point though too. Like um, you know, watching Robbie fly through the air it was kind of, uh, I mean, just magical, especially with the the no hand jumps he would do. Yeah, and I'm glad you you brought that up because that's a big deal in history, right? He's 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 not the first, but he's one of the first main riders to to take his hands off the handlebars, and that can't be overlooked. But that was a big deal. Oh no! If you took your hands off an XR750 in the air, you would probably end up in a cemetery. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, I think true. the evolution the, evolu- the evolution came with with the lighter bikes and the more ability to, to you know flex that innovative muscle. Exactly. Because, uh, exactly. I can barely you know you barely if you've ever been on an XR750, you barely want to push it off of a curb, let alone head towards Sorry. a ramp with it. Well, yeah. you're talking to a filmmaker who's never been on a bike before, so. <laughs> <laughs> So, so make it want to inspire you to get on a bike? No, <laughs> like flat out, flat, no. flat out, no. I mean, you know, it made me even. I remember um, on the jump day, I, I went out there at night and I filmed some stuff. And I, after we were wrapped, I went and walked the ramps. And I just thought, my my main thought was like, what kind of person does this for a living? Like. <laughs> what is going on here? Um, and, you know, it's Robbie. Like, that's why I said earlier is, like, they don't make them like that anymore, man. Like, the, these guys are I, – I know they're jumping big ramps and stuff now, and there's nothing to take away from 
all the greatness that they're doing now, which is amazing stuff, believe me. Right. But those ramps really set the tone for the mentality of the person jumping that bike. Yep. And Robbie's a special guy, you know. He's still alive, so <laughs> we should <laughs> celebrate him as much as we can. Absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat> wow. Now, is this you kept mentioning a broadcast. Uh, so is this going to be broadcasted on TV in September, you're saying? Or? Yeah, it's a, it's a Super Channel original series, which is a Canadian broadcaster. Um, it's uh, It doesn't have an American broadcaster yet. Um, Netflix probably, who knows, right? Like that, I can't say that on air, but right, it's it's up to them. Um, but um, that's that's what their air date is. It's nice channel. Nice. Yeah, I can't wait. Can't wait. It's gonna be exciting. Yeah, I mean, it's like Lathan knows better. He's he's a. He's watched them all. He's been a part of a lot of the films that have been made in the last four years. Um, it's a different film. It sort of wraps the trilogy kind of thing, right? Like, yeah. I, da- Daniel's, Daniel's film is, is different. Yeah, they're all, I, I think they're all brilliant in their own way. And I was talking to Doug Danger and you know a couple other people and, you know, Rundle included and a lot of the family. This one is a lot more complicated in its in its own right and it's it's special. I mean, I could, you know, it's a simple word to use, but I think that this is going to resonate heavily with people in general, a little more than fans of the brand or Knievel or any, you know, daredevil, because it's just such a complicated, beautiful father and son story. Um, you know, like Jesse, we showed it to, uh, you know, Danny B. Harvey, our buddy, who one of my best friends who contributed a lot of the rock and roll music to it. His wife, um, Annie Marie, knows absolutely nothing about daredevils or, or anything. And, and she watched it and wrote me and just said it, it was riveting to her on a father and son level. And she's from a very complicated family as well. The Lewis, Jerry Lee Lewis family. And that's wow. the kind of beautiful, I think that's what's beautiful about this movie in its own way is if you know nothing about daredevils or, or Knievels or anything, Jesse's told, uh, you know, his own story, his own way. And I think that's, the merit that needs to be applauded. I mean, I, I watch it every once a week now, maybe to get, you know, cause I had to walk away for a little while as I'm sure Jesse had, but <laughs> walk far away. Um, but it's fantastic. I mean, it's just going to cross the lines. It's not about, it's, it's a human condition story, the human condition between a father and son, a very, very complicated father and son relationship. So, to me, that's what's so beautiful about it. Well, I was, now, was there a crying. plane? I was going to say, was there a You're plane? <laughs> no tears yet. No tears yet. I cried last night. It was awesome. <laughs> now, was there a plan all along to do a, to do a documentary on uh, Robbie? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the impetus came from. Um, I was doing a, a short for a company on Snake River, um, and in the production meetings, I was always um, asking. We always ask for our interview subjects list, and whenever I brought Robbie up, everybody's like, "No, not, not going to happen," which I found intriguing. 
Uh, in the second meeting, in the production meeting, uh, my partner who shot this film, Ken Johns, was with me, and same question came up, and I said, you know, as a director, I just said, hey, what about Robbie? And everybody in the production company said, nah, you know, not going to happen. So after that, I walked away with Ken, and we both looked at each other like, we got to look into this more. Um, so we started, you know, digging in and found, you know, this, the kernel of, of an idea. And then, um, so it was all, it was always about Robbie. It was always about his life, but how do you tell a story? You know, one of the things that the good son that I did with with Ray, it's not a boxing movie, but it's a, it's about a boxer. So I really wanted to make a film about, um, father and son again about a daredevil. So that's, that's the impetus. It was always the impetus of the storyline. Um, and it never never wavered. We had that name, Chasing Evil, from day one. <laughs> so um, I always knew what kind of film I was making. So um, and and the people around me enabled me to do that, which I'm always grateful for. Which is kind of a rare situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of the day, you get the film that you started out making. I mean, you know, there's twists and turns, like you said earlier, but those are always there. Sure. You know, yeah, when you uh, first brought this up to Robbie, like, was he uh, was he contemplating it, or was it an instant no? Or um, he had he had been in in development on on this for years. I, I think that he got a bad rap, uh, you know, and some of the shit he did himself, and some of it he didn't, and. I think he was really misunderstood. That's what I said earlier. So I just kept at it. I phoned him for two years before he returned my call. Holy cow. Yeah. I mean, I, I left him messages at the beginning every week. <laughs> and then and then it was every month, and then it was every two months, and then it was like every four months. And then finally he called me back, you know. So I should be impressed. He got back to me pretty quick, huh? <laughs> Well, I think it's a different time. I think he's come a long way. I think this film is really indicative of 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 rebirth for him. I think that he he's seeing things. Um, I think he's working through a lot of stuff, and I think that he's. Yeah, I pray for him. I pray for him a lot to make sure that he's all right. You know, like I, I care for the guy, and and I and I think this when people see this film, they'll see a part of Robbie that is um you know he deserves it he he deserves it he 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 put himself on the line in this film too right like it's not easy what he did you know whether he knew at the time or not i mean he he spoke freely and a lot of that stuff is hard for the family to hear you know yeah i mean yeah, he's not alive to <laughs> for himself so. i mean jesse remember in uh in missoula your main concern was you know i hope I hope Linda likes the film and yeah. she, she absolutely loved it. And it was, that was such a beautiful moment too. And she actually was like, Oh, I, what'd she say to you? I didn't know Robbie was that famous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but she, she's such an angel. It's like, you know, yeah. Alicia was there and Tracy, Alicia and Tracy and Matt and the, and the grandkids and they all, they all just adored the film. So that's pretty valuable. I mean, Linda's fantastic in the film. I mean, she she just she is she's just amazing, and uh, you know, Alicia is fantastic, and 
Tracy is, and I, I thought Kelly was great, you know. So the family, um, you know, they, they're they the reason why the film's so good, you know, Robbie especially, because I let Robbie talk as much as he possibly could about his own life, you know. So those are important points. And when you get back to the fact that you, you, start, out, you start out on a, on a kernel of an idea, but it grows, right? Like Grandma Jean, who's in the film, she said some stuff, and I was just like, wow. What the, like I never thought that would <laughs> that would come out of somebody's mouth, you know. Um, so those are the things where it grows. That's the beauty of documentary filmmaking is as long as you're 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 resolute in your preparation, things grow and become amazing moments. Now, did um did Linda see the movie yet? Or? Sorry? Yeah, she was at the per- she was at the premiere with us. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that's who yeah, we no, were talking she... about. She. <clears throat> oh yeah, that's who we were talking about. Linda, yeah, Linda loved the film. Yeah, the family just was. I mean, it was probably the most nerve wracking screening I've ever had. Um, <laughs> and it, and you know, I could have not made it out of that city alive. Um, but no, they were amazing, and we we had a great time, and we talked a lot about it after. And I think it I think it hit a chord with everybody, and uh, you know that's the beginning of of uh, healing, really. You know. Now, now, do you think from uh, you know the the person uh, on the other side of the camera um, making this film and seeing what went on between? father and son like the you know the big story here um do you think uh deep down it helped robbie at all deal with things and issues that went on over the years with his father well that time will tell i mean you know i think that Lathan brought that up earlier i i I think it was a tough pill to swallow at first maybe i mean it it really kind of is an emotional film and i but i think that from what I've seen, I can only I can only speculate in, in the short amount of time from that screening to the next time he saw it to now our relationship has gotten a lot better. You know, um, how how he's dealing with it, I, I'm not with him, um, but when we talk, he seems really good. You know, better than he was when we started. Um, it might have to do with his sobriety. I don't know. You know, like. Sobriety for him is is the is the best thing that possibly could happen is Robbie becoming sober, um, and he's kept he's kept it going for a long time. I mean, I, again, I'm not around him, so I don't know what happens in his daily life. But whenever I talk to him, it's it's pretty he's pretty clear, you know. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Though, like the last several months, he's he seems like he's pretty upbeat. He sounds great. And it's been nice to get to know him again. Nice, very nice. I'd be I'd be interested in to see what he says on your show. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. But yeah. um, I think everybody's gonna be interested to see what he says. I think he's even interested. Yeah, I, I I talked to him an hour ago and he sounded great. And I, I talked to Rundle too. He's looking forward to getting on with you guys. Yeah, those are two are those two guys are icons, man. Like they're just they're great guys. They're, they're fun to be with. They were fun to make the film with. And I mean, yes, we had up and downs with, with everything. And production always puts stresses on people, but 
you know, we had uh, the, at the premiere with, with Bill, he was great. And Lathan's been great. And it's really turned a corner since the release of this film. The key word there is release. Let's release it to the world. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I feel, I think, I think I feel better. The more people see it, the less pressure is, you know, the more pressure is released. I've shown it to a handful of really close friends and the feedback makes me feel better and better and better and better. So I just can't wait for it to be completely out there. I don't think, I think Jesse probably feels the same way. Yeah. I mean, it's been a bit, (laughs) of a slow release, but that's always because of sales and political moves and stuff yeah. like that. But we're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> I have so a, it, I have a question for you, Jesse. Sure. Can you hear me all right? I can, yeah. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh this is Henry. Uh it, it's always been kind of a, a a thing for me to watch Robbie you know, because I'm a daredevil and I've really paid attention to his career. And it's always been a thing to me uh, to know that he has trying to fill the shoes of his father. And, you know, we all know there's never going to be another Bruce Lee, never going to be another Elvis, never going to be another Evil Knievel. But in this, have these guys gotten a point across that, there's never going to be another Robbie Knievel. Yeah, oh yeah, that's 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 the fourth act thing right there, man. I mean, I think that hits home. At least it did for me when I was filming. That uh, that that's that's the reality. I think the jump in, in in itself. I think you understand when you see this old guy of 54 jumping still. Uh, I think we all get it, literally. Yep. Yep. You know that hey, that. Old guys that, that was the jumping reason, at, that at was, fifty. Yeah, no, but that was the reason by why of seeing it full circle, right? Yeah. Is that you know we don't we don't hit a the nail over the head too many times in the film. It's not that type of film, but I think that um, I mean when he's putting those leathers on in the in the trailer at the end of the film, it's people see it differently. For me, it was heartbreaking, man. It was like, this guy's still fucking going out there trying to make a living. He's 54 and he's, he's jumping ramp to ramp. It's like, with back surgery, excuse my language. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. It takes a lot of courage. I think Doug, I think, um, Doug Clang said it best at the end of the film. He said, you know, you don't, if you can see it, see it now because it's going to end and it's all going to be gone with, with his retirement. He yeah. said it way more elegant than I just did. <laughs> That's it. You're done. <laughs> You'll never see what it. Was your, what never. was your favorite part about, about the filmmaking process? What, what was the thing you liked the most? Finishing it. <laughs> <laughs> For um, me, it's always it's always the friendships I make with the fellow passion victims, as I say, but Jesse yeah, no, I, I mean really 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 good pals. That was nice. Yeah, for sure. I mean it's that I would I would concur with that. I mean the people you meet along the way, it's like you become family with because it's you you dig deep in these things. You hit the trenches and it's it's there's a lot at stake at times. Sometimes it's financial, but a lot of the time it's just you got to make this film, man, and the people become close. And Lathan has been amazing and and a great sounding board for me to you know what do i 
you know, he knows what I was going through and, and it's been great. You know, I think I agree that that's the best part of the filmmaking process for sure. And finishing it. And releasing it. Okay. (laughs) And releasing it. Okay. So what's the worst? The worst? Yeah. Uh, the, the, no. the pressure, the the pressure of the. I don't think people understand the immense pressure. Yeah, that's on. you know what? I, I people ask me that all the time because the coolest thing about filmmaking, I've done about ten or twelve, I think, but all on on all levels, you go through absolute loss, hell, and absolute highs. The entire all in one, and I wouldn't change it for anything. I mean, people think it's a joke, and it's a you know common. The common myth is that, oh, what a great time you have all day long. When in reality, it's the hardest thing in the world to make absolutely something out of nothing and spill your blood and your wallet and your brains and, you know, everything. But it's, I wouldn't change it because it's when, when you're done, you've got this, this thing that's there forever that you've created out of nothing. So. Well, and I also, I would add to that, and I totally agree, and I, I think to add to that thought, i got to scoot out of here guys but uh my children are about to come home um you don't want to hear that um, <laughs> is 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 the is the profound the reason why people love filmmaking and seeing films is the per, is a pr- profound connection you can make with somebody's heart and so it happened with the good son it's happened with a lot of my films where you really can change things, in, at least with the people watching sometimes. And it's when you see that happen in the theater or after. Like with Ray, for example, he didn't want to talk about Dooku Kim, man. He didn't want to have anything to do with it, right? But the film is about the end, about Dooku Kim's son who reunites with Ray. And it's the life-changing moment in filmmaking process for everybody at that table. Believe me, it was it was life changing for me, and there's moments in Chasing Evil which is the same, you know. And I, it's, it's it, that's what you live for, and that's what you sacrifice everything for are for those moments. Well, I can't wait to see it. That's all I can say. So me neither. I can ask... can't wait for you to see it either. <laughs> then I can. Uh, ask... but it was a pleasure. <laughs> It was a ple- honor to, to be on the on the show, and I thank you so much for your time. And uh, yeah, Layson, you're 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 still good in my books. <laughs> I just threw my book out the window. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys. Thanks, Jesse. Take care. Okay, Thanks, Jesse. take care, guys. Cheers. See, you, Jess. Wow, there he goes. See you later, Canada. <laughs> Calling in from the Blame Great White Canada. Canada. He's up. He's up in uh, Vancouver, aka Hongcouver. Hong. <laughs> well, no, it's 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 such a quick trip from. It's a shorter trip from Hong Hong Kong, and it's I've been there a few times to work with him, and it's 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 a thriving city. It's like um, they call it Hongcouver. They nicknamed it Hongcouver because it's. Anyway, enough of that. So now, now Lathan, when you guys were were doing this, was there anything that? Um like came out of this movie that you didn't know that really like opened your eyes to like, Holy shit. Like you couldn't believe this happened. Um, well, I mean, the, 
the interview process is the most interesting. Well, part of the partially the most interesting because really close people to Robbie and people in Butte that most people will never ever meet or, or be acquainted with his really close friends who helped him through sobriety and things of that nature are, are all in the movie. And that's, that stuff is always, and I knew these people, some of them beforehand, I'd met them at evil days or whatever, but the, I don't know. I have a lot of respect for Robbie because of his work ethic and, and, you know, anybody should, the guy went out there and he kept the name going for so many years. And that's, that's primarily what I walked away with it from. And also I became closer with him. There was a lot of, you know, misconception between, you know, business and what was going on and what I was doing and, and everything for, for a long time. And we finally had a really amazing conversation a few months ago. And, um, you know, it's just, I'm glad that, that things are improving and he sounds great and he's been through hell with his back surgery. He's had a couple of back surgeries and, and, you know, Rundle too. I've just, I've got a family in every state basically. So Butte, they're really special to me. The Knievels are, I mean, they've had my back through, I've been through a lot of stuff getting this, our museum opens in two months and, or no, actually I got got less than that now. It's going to be done in a few weeks, but you know, meeting Mike Patterson and the Harley Davidson guys here at Historic Harley and all the stuff that we've been through business-wise, it, it's very parallel to what Evil went through, except I didn't jump. Doug jumped, obviously. Doug Danger has been jumping the bike. and But I, I just think that the complexities of of Robbie's past and what he really went through, being the son, that's part of my role in the film as a cast member is I think I say something like um, you know every kid wanted to be him which we've all heard and all the all those films but I just think I, I said can you imagine being the son of that person I, it's right. just such a gigantic shadow it's not like his dad was a plumber down the street you know drinking a 12 pack every night and hitting him with a wrench or <laughs> you know just there's a lot of people, there's a lot of complicated relationships in the world. Uh, very complicated, but I just think Robbie is in one of the most complicated father and son situations of all time. I really, really believe that. And he, he came out of it his own way and he made his own way and left home very young and started doing what he does. He jumped his ass off. So I don't know if that answers your question or not, but I just, yeah, getting, knowing the family really well has been an honor and, and, a, and a privilege. And I just love every conversation I have with all of them. That's um, awesome. But now up next, you got, you got Billy and uh, Robbie to, they can, they can tell you the stories, man. They've been friends for since they were kids. So now, um, yeah. you mentioned coming along, it's almost done. So, uh, I mean, uh, that's going to be huge. Yeah. Yeah, I just left there. I've been. I'm here now. I've put in about six hours today. We're doing tweaks. It's primarily finished. It's just fine tuning, and there's. It's just unbelievable. I can't even. I can't even explain it to you. It's there's nothing worth even saying. It's so beyond. There's an interactive. Basically, you can sit on an XR750 on Evil's original ramp in the museum upstairs. You can sit on it with a virtual reality 3D system on your head when doug did his last jump here he had three he had six 360 gopros on his helmet by dimensional innovations 
and Mike Patterson kind of line these guys up to do something that had never been done before. Everywhere you look when you're sitting on the motorcycle, you're on the motorcycle and you're, you're basically evil Knievel and Doug. I mean, it's uh, the women that have got on it have screamed. Some people have thrown up. I mean, not literally, but (laughs) no, you, it go, you, you do an entire jump practice runs the whole thing um, over the 15 police cars. And it's never been done. It, and that's just part of it. You've got a, we've got an interactive broken bones display where there's three panels. You can pick a bone on evil's body. This thing is so far beyond anything we ever imagined. I can't even really explain it to you. And I don't want to spoil anything, but it's not just, it's not just a museum on, and it's got a movie theater in there, a full blown marquee seventies movie theater. Just besides the art, the artifacts alone, you're going to just be mesmerized by it. I guess you guys are doing like a premiere at, at the museum as well. Uh, well, the museum's going to show Evil Knievel, the, the Hamilton film. It's going to show Viva. It's going to kind of hi- be a hybrid and an edited version of all that with six million with the uh, Bionic Woman and you know the Sam Elliott thing. It's going to be kind of like a hybrid, so you can go in there on a loop. It'll have a time code, and you can kind of watch what you want and leave. And then oh, by cool. the truck, by the truck, we have a twenty-minute documentary. It's part of the next film we're doing, Saving, Il- Saving Evil, um, that we shot since the beginning. It's the last one. But Mike and uh, Brian Cavanaugh, this, this guy I work with, he's a brilliant, brilliant uh, film, uh, cinematographer and editor and visual graphics guy, digital graphics as well. There's a 30-minute making of, 20-minute 20, 20 making of the uh, restoration of the truck that you can sit there and watch by the truck with the old skin of the truck. So there's a little viewing room there. But it starts from uh, the beginning of his life all the way to the end, and panel by panel, every every jump, everything you can sit there for ten minutes on one project, and watch one jump and listen to one thing, and you know the Hutchinson jump, Wembley, LA Coliseum. It just goes all the way through his whole career, and we've got a lot of special artifacts that nobody has seen yet that we've been kind of hoarding till now, like his last suit that he ever used in Florida and. Um, there's a lot of new twi- there's a lot of new uh, restorations on on some of the motorcycles too. So it's just I can't even explain it to you. I tried, <laughs> <laughs> but it's far more than a museum. I mean, it's just bananas. You could hang out in there all day. Please don't. But you you could you could probably spend eight hours in there, watch a bunch of movies, and we don't have popcorn though because we end up ruining carpet. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm separated from. I try to get separated from it and come back, but I'll, I'll leave town for a week. And you know, this team, like Amanda, and there's like 20 people in there just, just kicking ass all day long. And sometimes I'm just kind of, I'm so in awe that I can't really wrap my head around it. But I just, I'm just glad that it's getting down to the finish line now. And the last time we talked, we talked about the uh, the beer. Um, What's the update on that? Yeah, we got the beer um, in several states now, and it we, we kind of had a wee funder going for a little bit. So the next step is the light beer, Lesser Evil, which I think a lot of people are going to like because, I don't know, craft beer is such a popular thing in Austin, Texas. But me personally, it gives me a headache in two sips because of the hops, yeah. I think. So, yeah, the, the light beer is next, and we're just kind of going state by state. I just had a meeting with the guys a couple weeks ago, and, you know, the interest is still really strong. 
I wish we could get it out faster, but that's kind of the plan. That's the next phase is to get it everywhere. It just takes a little time. Um, Everything takes time. And Kelly's, Kelly's got some really cool stuff up his sleeve up in Nevada and the pizza place is really doing well too. The evil pie. So yeah. I'm, I Hopefully we get one of those cracking in Austin and then, uh, I'm sure those will spread like wildfire too. From what I hear, it's doing really, really well. That's amazing. Evil pie, yeah. evil fear. But yeah, I think um, I think everyone's gonna flip out on this movie because it's not it's not like the other ones at all. And that's what's great about them all. Being evil is incredible. It really focuses on Snake River a lot, and then and then it, it's dug up. You know, Daniel dug up people that I've never even found, which which I thought I'd found, found everybody. And Chasing Evil's got Kenny Brown in it. Kenny Brown, wait till you see this guy's interview. I mean, he was he was a key guy early on with Evil. He had uh, the you remember the Electro Cycle kind of era, early yeah. early early seventies. That thing was defunct. It was a sun machine. But this guy's came out of the woodwork, and, and, and he lives in Arizona. And I said, Jesse, you got to interview this guy. And he flew over there and. He managed Robbie right when Robbie kind of went on his own. And, you know, that's all explained in the film. But he's one of my favorite interviews. He's a, he's a total, total character. <laughs> but it's just, it's its own it's its own film. It stands up. And like I said, it's, it's, it's more about father and son than, you know, there's, there's plenty of Daredevil in there. But just imagine being the son of, I wish that was the poster. <laughs> imagine being the son of Evil Knievel. Um Basically, that's what that's what it's about. And Robbie took off and did his thing, and he did it, he did it full scale, and he did it his way. And I don't know. I have a lot of respect for him, and hopefully, people dig the movie. You know, it, it almost sounds like too, like like growing up. Um, I, I don't know for Henry, but for me, like um, you know, looking up to, to Evil as a little kid and, and idolizing, then seeing Robbie. And uh, my being the fact that my father passed when I was very very young, um, in those evil Knievel days, um, I would I would be like, oh, I wish evil Knievel was my father. You know what I mean? And it's like almost on the flip side. Like you wonder if yeah, Robin, man, he was like, uh, you know, a normal well, person. That, like, a lot of that's yeah, a lot of that's covered in the movie too. Like the, one of the cool scenes, um, they they we shot Robbie at his. At, you know, the old tra- the lot where the old trailer home was, and he talks about setting up his ramps in front of his house with his bicycle, and how you know he had no choice but to jump his bike further than any kid in the neighborhood simply because his dad was evil Knievel, um, and that wow. sums it up right there. The guy got it in his head, and and he you know he went for it. I, I can't wait for Rundle and, and Robbie to get on because Rundle's got stories that'll. I only know the, the last five years of extensively researching this stuff, but yeah, man, it's it's a it's a really cool it's a really cool film. There's a lot of stuff in there people are never you know, have never seen before, as far as photographs and footage and especially Robbie's story. Now, did you think it would come out like I mean, going into this, did you think it would come out? Uh, you know, this whole father son story the way it did. Yeah, well, I kind of did because when I first met with Jesse, uh, I jumped in with him and started helping him produce and then became executive producer with those guys was, was an honor. And then he wanted me to be in the film. And I was like, well, I don't, you know, 
I think you should interview Doug Clang and Doug Danger. And, you know, it's Rundle's, Rundle is a, a huge part of the film, too. He's he's one of the main characters. Well, not characters, but well, we're, we're all characters. But he's, uh, he's just been there the whole ride. Um, he's been there since, I guess, they were five or six years old. So, uh, But, yeah, Jesse is such a storyteller. And I think I pretty much knew he was going to go in his own direction, which is what a director does. And I thought it was it was you know amazing it's not a highlight reel movie it does have plenty of highlights as he said but it really gets down to the relationship which uh i think is going to be more appealing to everyone in the world rather than it won't have a niche i think you could put it on netflix right now and if it's promoted properly have total strangers you know that have no clue what a daredevil is watch it and be like holy wow you know i I really just saw one of the most amazing father and son human condition stories I've ever seen. Wow. Actually, I think, uh, I think one of the people you're talking about is actually on the phone. So I just looked up the area code and it's Butte, Montana. So, you know, it's somebody involved. That is, that is probably Mr. Bill Rundle. I was thinking, is this Mr. Bill Rundle? Jesus, is that you, Lathan? Hey, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to TV. There, there's the man I've been talking about, Mr. Bill Rundle. How's everybody doing? Doing good, Bill. I'm great. We've, we've just been making up shit since you got on. Now I can hang up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you, I, uh, I've been uh, listening, and uh, I think it's it's done very well, and uh, uh, some great qu- questions, and you know, especially the. Uh, the way that the show was handled with Jesse and and Lathan and and uh, the group of people we had that that you know everybody pretty much worked their ass off and really brought out something that uh, I'm sure will will blow everybody's mind to going back. I've been with the family for over 40 years and to go back and and see all this you know, and remember it, um, it just, it, it, it's, it's pretty unbelievable. I, I, I can't wait for everybody to have the opportunity to see it and enjoy it. Now, being the fact, Bill, that you were with the family for 40 years, was there things in this film that you didn't know had happened? Um, you know, Back when when he was very very young, you know, maybe when he was five or six or something, you know, there's there are some things that you know that I wasn't around for, of course, but but right. um, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, there, there there was some things that even even surprised me. Um, you know, we go back so far that uh, uh, it, it's just been an incredible ride. Um, you know, for it couldn't hit any better. You know, with doing the show and then coming back and you know chasing evil. You know, our our dream, you know, was to go and jump the fountains at Caesar's Palace, and right. and you know that was something that I'll never forget the day that I got the phone call and says, "Guess what? You know, we we got a date. We're jumping the canyon," and. uh we put a lot of work into it. I mean, not the canyon, excuse me, the fountains. 
and you know we had put a lot of work in, in into uh, getting set up for that jump and uh, I don't know it, it, it that's where it all really began you know it was the uh, it was uh, Caesar's Palace where where you know you saw the changes uh, of the difference between Evil and Robbie right. um, you know was was there jealousy or you know there was just so many so many things that were coming into play that uh it was one of the deals that you're man you're happier in hell when it was over <laughs> wow the thing how about like did you ever consider writing a book the things you probably saw through the years you know i have i i i have a lot of tapes and and uh you know i i i guess i'd have to say that the the majority of it you know is in my heart um you know Robbie to me uh was he's he's like my little brother right and um you know I started a race and he started flat tracking with us when uh when uh I raced and and um you know we turned him into a he was a, he, he not only you know can he jump a motorcycle there's a lot of people out there that could you know, they get, they can say they can jump a motorcycle that, that don't even know how to do a wheelie you know, and and you know, you you watch his talent uh, as a motorcycle rider, and he's incredible. He he, uh, we used to ride almost every night, and, and you know, we and we rode our asses off. But he, uh, you know, he's just a very talented motorcycle rider, and I think that's why uh, he, he he did the things that uh, he did with great success. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's the one thing you were saying. Like uh, some people don't even know how to do a wheelie. Yeah, yeah. It, it's funny when you watch some of these guys, and they, you know, they come out and they, they're, they're gonna, they're gonna jump 400 feet, and they haven't even done a wheelie yet. And it's, you know, it's kind of, kind of scary. But it's, you know, things, things have changed. You know, we, uh Things things are just aren't what they used to be, you know. If we had these motorcycle jumpers today that uh, do it the same way Robbie does it, you know, it, it's a totally, you know, it's not even the same. It's not even the same game. You know, we're we're using you know the wooden ramps, mm-hmm. and you know the, the degrees are different and the speeds are way different. You know, I'm not going to go through uh, the, the miles an hour that we run and stuff, but you know, it just it it everything has changed, and uh, you know now they the, the the landing ramps are 30 feet tall. Mm-hmm. You know, the takeoff ramps are 25 to 30 feet. You know, these guys are getting tremendous air. Yeah. And uh, you know, so so they're going to go farther, of course, but um, it just. Uh, Things things have really changed, and and uh, uh, I'm glad we were able to, uh, you know, able to 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 see it happen. Bill, what, one question before uh, before I call Robbie and go on. Actually, brought up earlier in the show, and uh, mm-hmm. we were kind of uh, wondering what the answer was, and it's a question I always wondered: Why is the take ramp so thin? Well, number one, you don't really need a, a wide takeoff ramp. I mean, four feet four feet is plenty. 
Um, uh, I guess you, you know you really shouldn't be out there doing it if you're going to miss that four foot takeoff ramp. <laughs> <laughs> you know, go go find something else to do. You know, but uh, you know, to, to the normal guy, I guess to us after looking at it for all the years that we have, it just it, it, it's normal. I, I've seen them even you know that they're thinner than that. Um, you know, but it, it, it's um, you know. Uh, it's funny, the older we got, the more that I'd be pushing, saying, you know, let's make that land ramp a little bigger. <laughs> you know? I like the catch area a little bigger. That four-foot takeoff ramp, I'm not too concerned about it, but that landing ramp, you know, it, it, like I said, as we got older, it um, it, it, it really uh, uh, nicer to see a wider ramp, but Robbie's always been used to jumping in really tight places and you know, I heard you guys talking about the hay bales, and, and uh, you know, they come into use, trust me. <laughs> I'm sure they do. Yeah, well, we, I picked his ass out a lot of them. <laughs> All right, well, let's do this. Let's take a quick commercial break, and I'm going to call Robbie, get him okay. on the line, and get set up. And, uh, hey, kids, and I'll, I'll say goodbye to you guys. Are you there, Lathan? Yeah, yeah. I just All right, brother. All right, you guys have fun, and thanks, man. Thank you, Lake. Thanks for See you next week. See you, Henry. All right, everybody. Stay tuned. We're going to be coming right back with the captain himself. Attention business owners, website owners, event promoters, or anyone looking to promote your product. The Totally Driven Entertainment Radio Network is the perfect way to spread the word of your business around the world. That's right. You can advertise at our network and be played on all of our shows at rates that are so cheap. It's a no-brainer. For more information, contact Bay Ragney at bayragney at gmail.com. To keep your business driven, stay driven with Totally Driven Entertainment. Are you a fan of Sherlock Holmes? Letters from Holmes offers unique, one-of-a-kind letters from the world-famous detective himself. Handwritten on 8.5-inch by 11-inch aged parchment paper and using smudge-free ink to produce original, high-quality letters that fans will treasure for years to come. Each letter is handcrafted and written from the perspective of Sherlock Holmes, mimicking Holmes's native tongue and embracing many of the famous detectives' quirks, quips, insults and peculiarities. Order a love letter, birthday greeting, personal correspondence or more only at www.etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash letters from Holmes. For $5 today, you can buy a wealth of things. Gas for your car, rent a movie for the family, a few slices of pizza, $5 still takes you a long ways. But did you know that $5 can buy your child a bag of heroin in the streets? That's right. For only $5, your son or daughter can buy some of the cheapest and purest dope in the country. Be aware of the lies. Be aware of the stealing. Be aware that's all it takes to kill your child. $5. This message was brought to you by Casey's Cause, a group of parents located in southern Chester County out to save your child's life. Come join us today at www.caseyscause.com. And remember... $5 is all it takes. Casey's Cause, www.caseyscause.com. Looking for that perfect gift for your girlfriend? Then look no further than Teddy Scares. Teddy Scares are available in a variety of styles, sizes, and prices for all your shopping needs. Teddy Scares are a mix of cute and creepy to make a great gift for almost any age. Board up your windows, lock your doors, and log on to teddyscares.com. And be sure to become our friends at facebook.com slash teddyscares. 
Calling all comic book fans. Do you collect comics? Did you ever collect comics? Do you think your children might like reading comic books? Do you even know they still print real, paper, non-digital comic books? Well, then visit the Pirates of Ontario Street Comics in Philadelphia. We have a massive collection of comic books, action figures, trading cards, and much more. We have one of the largest stocks of back-issue comics in the area. We bag and board every new comic book at no extra charge. Our store is voted the best comic book shop in the 2013 PHL 17 Hot List Contest. Part of the movie Unbreakable is filmed in our store. We are open seven days a week. Ontario Street Comics is located at 2235 East Ontario Street in the Port Richmond section of Philly. Our phone number is 215-288-7338. Type in the words Ontario Comics Philadelphia to check out our Wacky Stores page on Facebook. Hey, this is Joey Kramer from Aerosmith, and I'm sitting here saying whatever the hell I please. And you're listening to Totally Driven Radio. All right, we welcome back to Totally Driven Radio, and we are in the middle of our Chasing Evil special. I got myself here, and uh, Mr. Henry Reif, the pit bull, the ATV daredevil himself, as well as longtime evil... Knievel and Robbie Knievel, family friend, crew member, the man himself, Mr. Bill Rundle. And on the line, waiting patiently, the man we're talking about, his ears have probably been burning for the last 90 minutes. Let's get him on the show. The captain himself, Mr. Robbie Knievel. What's going on there, Robbie? Hey, not much, man. It's a lot earlier out here on the West Coast. So I'm doing good, but I got allergies. I'm coughing and can't breathe, and I don't know what's going on. <laughs> so the, trees, the trees are leaking around here, man. What's that? The trees are leaking. You know, uh, a lot of things leak out, but you just don't want to tell anybody too much. You know, I'm, I'll just be a good listener, but I'll try to talk. Go ahead. <laughs> Hi, Henry. Is Bill Rondo, my crew chief, really on the line? Hello, Robbie. Hey, Bill. How you doing, buddy? I love you, man. How you doing? I'm doing good, brother. How you doing? Well, that's what I thought. You didn't sound good. I'm doing all right. Looking forward to the documentary. Bill's on there a lot. He did a good job. Thank you. Uh, I I think the show's great. I still like Rocky, though. I watch Rocky repeats all the time. I'll never forget the time I was in Philly. I was doing a jump, ten million in cash for Delaware I I N G, and the I owner took me on this ride to Philadelphia from Delaware, and we were late, and the cops were trying to get me to catch up to the the other bikers, and by the time we caught them, we were downtown Philly. But on the way, we're doing 110 miles an hour on our Harleys. The cops are on their bikes, and all of a sudden, this hard bag comes off the cops' Harley. And I'll never forget the cop next to me. They're Mike, and we're laughing our ass off because the hard bag hit the highway and bounced into the center median. And then we're going, I go, hey, watch this. Here goes the next one. And about two minutes later, his second one vibrated off because you're going as fast as fast as the cop hardly can go at 110. And it bounces down and misses us and hits the median. And then we caught up with everybody in Philly. But I'll never forget that. That was a bust. It was a big, uh, a big jump over the cash and the – Steve Miller band, I jumped for it. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. uh, I was to the owner of ING and all the cops in Philly, that was a blast. <laughs> 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 oh, 
<laughs> oh, it's too funny. You know, it's funny. I actually uh, met you, Robbie, uh, going back in time. It was around 788. You were doing uh, an appearance at the World of Wheels car show in Philadelphia. And uh, I went over to meet you. And I asked you, and I said to you, I said, Robbie, I said, like, what goes through your head, like, after you crash, like, that you're going to keep getting back on that bike to do it? And you were just like, you know what? I, I crash, and I say to myself, screw that. I'm done. I'm not getting back on that bike. And then I go to work on the construction site, and I'm like, screw it. I'm done with this. I'm getting back on the bike. <laughs> well, no. I got a new comedy act with my dad. I had two puppets made. One when he was 36 on Sports Illustrated. And one when he was an old man a year before he died with oxygen and glasses on with his gray hair sticking up. And they're my two puppets because I was a ventriloquist. I bought a puppet when I was in my teens. So now I got this new show, and it's going to be at Seven Cedars Casino, May 6th, which is Saturday, coming up next May 6th. And my birthday is the 7th. But my dad used to always say part of my act, get you one of his jokes. Get your ex-wife in the car going down the highway, put your leathers and helmet on, have her get going about 80 or 90, and when she hits 80 or 90, have her blow the horn and you bail off, and that's what it feels like to crash. So, (laughs) you know, just for comparison. Anyway, that's, that's, you know, I got a lot of jokes and an all-American story with me and my dad, and they're all true stories and funny jokes, and I can't wait to do this new act. It's going to be funny. But that, that's, uh, you know, I was always kind of a funny guy, but only my close friends knew that. So, you know, it's, it's just, that's what I'm doing now. And I'm looking forward to the documentary. Me and my dad spanned five decades. And there's, there's always a little kid that still wants your autograph because his dad and his grandfather saw my dad or saw me. So it's all perfect, you know. It's just, we work right. for it. We risk our life for it. And, and that's what my documentary it's kind of it's kind of hard in a way to me. I've seen it. It's kind of kind of dark in a way, but it's the right. truth. You know, it's the truth. I've always been honest. My dad was always honest, and that's the way it is. Do you think it was uh, like going through this whole process of it was kind of like? Because I know you've you've seen the final uh, product. Has it been kind of like therapeutic in a way for you as well? Um, you know, I'm so used to the life I grew up with over the so many years. I've been in this business since I was eight years old. That's like 47 years, 48 years. I mean, I'm going to be 55 next month, and I'm still going off lamps, jumping 30 cars and breaking my back. I've had two major back surgeries in the last year since uh, February of 2015. And it just, it, it hurts so bad. It cut me. 12 inches all the way down my back. I mean, surgeries that people would turn down. And the doctor told me, if you don't get these surgeries with crushed vertebrae and bad discs, and we don't put rods in there, we don't crush your bones into a cage, you are going to get back cancer and die. So I'm like, okay, I get it. Because my friend Grizzly Adams, Dan Haggerty, died of sarcoma back cancer. And back cancer can get you quick. And I woke up and I said to the nurse, did they go through my my last incision a year ago. She goes, they went through that. They put another one on you that's about a foot long. <laughs> so oh, I've been pretty messed up with back surgery. My dad never had a back surgery. And I've munched my lower lumbars up or broken vert- or cracked vertebrae, and they healed on their own. But when you have to get a major back surgery, it's bad. When you've got to get chemo like my crew chief, 
when you know it's like everybody my age they're pretty much either gone or they're dying right and i'm gonna live to the end and i'm gonna keep doing jumps and keep the name can eagle the most famous on two wheels because nobody can touch it and i paid them dues and i wanted to chase my dad and i chased him and i wanted to be just like him and it took me a long time to realize I should have just stuck with golf. I could have just went out on the golf course and a nice green grass, and my wife would have left me alone. Uh, and he's a hell of a go- he's a hell of a golfer too. <laughs> I just oh, played the other day. My back's so tweaked. It's been five months since my second surgery. But anyway, I'm just going to keep the name Kenny, the most famous on two wheels. Jesse James Miller did a great job producing this. Bill and all my friends and people that grew up with me, from my mother to my grandmother. My mother's still alive. She's an angel, which you can't find these days. And uh, I'm happily single, and I'm still doing what I'm doing, and I'm going to keep jumping and keep living life the way it is, and I'm going to keep believing in the Trinity. God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, just like my dad. So you can take that, and that's how I'm going to be. And I'm going to keep signing every little kid's autograph because that keeps me alive, just like my dad taught Nice, nice. God bless now, you, Robbie. When they came to you, you with the idea of the documentary, what did you think? Of, did you, like, instantly know, or did you, like, contemplate it at all? Or No, I've, I've, I've had a couple people talk about it over the years, but uh, Jesse James Miller, I knew did a friend of mine's documentary called The Good Son, Boom Boom Mancini, Ray Mancini. Mm-hmm. I used to hang out with in the late 80s. And, you know, all these guys have done boxing. All these athletes have done boxing. I am not done jumping. I am going to keep jumping, not to paralyze myself, I hope to God not, on purpose or anything, but unless I callous together and my back as strong as it could be at 55 years old. But I, I put on a huge pyro show, 30-foot plane projectors, concussion bombs, and music, and, you know, what I have is meaningful like my dad and that's right. why me and my dad made it and we appeal to the public and, and we span generations i mean every guy that's been out there they've done some really cool stuff but i'm still old school my dad was totally old school and people don't get i'm still jumping twice as high twice as far and hitting the pavement twice as fast on a better bike yeah but i'm doing it twice as hard they just oh well, dad used to jump a harley of course he did but, and he had the most balls of anybody in the world. But things progressed, and I stayed old school on the ramps. And I still hold the record for a legitimate jump contest off a 10-foot high ramp back in 1994. Everybody else said it's gone farther. Anyway, I don't want to brag about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just still doing what my dad always did, and it, and it shows the head-on steam engine train jump, the head-on car jump, and the astronaut was thinking famous. The, the things I've done, the building the building jump, the, the pressure I've had on me with the live shows, I've done eight five-hour specialties. And I only did part of the Grand Canyon. You know, Fox right. always whooped it up. Wow, they came alive. Going to jump the Grand Canyon. It's like, no, I'm jumping part of it. I would say that on my interview because it really kicked me off when they lied to me. It was a huge jump. It was the longest jump I ever did over part of the Grand Canyon. Anyway, Pitbull, I want to say I love you. Bill, I love you in the spirit. I love you, buddy. And Faye, uh, you sound like a great love you, guy. Brother. And I'm going to go Thanks. get something to eat because I'm starving. Then I'm going to get back on the bus. I right, well, love you, buddy. You hang in there. Thank you. You too, Bill. Thank you for calling in, Robbie. Take care, and Rob. Love you. To the movie. 
Hey, happy landings to everybody, and keep the faith. That's all we got. Life is short, man. That's why I'm bringing my dad back a lot, so I can joke with him. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you know what my dad would say? If you don't like me or me and my son, we paid our dues, so kiss my ass. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Hey, Robbie, real quick. Before you go, can I just get you to say, uh, this is Robbie Knievel, and you're listening to Totally Driven Radio? Hi, my name's Robbie Knievel, and you're listening to Totally Driven Radio. Thank you. Hi, my name's Robbie Knievel, and this is my dad, Evil, and you're listening to Totally Driven Radio. Yeah, keep it up. There you go. That's about well, it. I don't know if he can keep it up unless he's got that super beta prostate, which is all bullshit. You got to take care. Love you, man. Keep on jumping. Take right, care, bye. Robbie. Take care, man. Bye-bye. Love bye. you. All right, there he goes. <laughs> the one and the only. Well, there that was no- like a tropical storm. He came yeah, in Yeah, he wants to get in and get out. So, so with the with the whole documentary, I, I mean it. It must have been a tough interview process to to actually for them guys to actually be able to interview Robbie and, and get into because you can tell he he likes to joke and get around and get in and get out. Yeah, you know, it, it, well, it was difficult because you know we just had them problems up here in Butte and, and uh, where he. You know, I had to hit and run in the DUI, and, and I mean, he was going to jail, and, and uh, you know, everything was taken away from him, and he knew if he made a mistake, you know, that that uh, he'd be in big trouble, and, and uh, he did. So, you know, this interview or this documentary fell right into place because it shows, you know, what it was like for him to have to quit drinking, and you know, live a different life than he's been doing, you know, running for the last 35 years. So it was, uh, I was so proud of him to watch, you know, how he transformed into a different person. He's out there one day and he's doing something to the bike. And I went over there. I said, what are you doing? I'm uh, checking the jetting. I said, leave the bike, get away from here. Just leave the bikes alone, you know. (laughs) <laughs> Just because you're you don't drink now, you're gonna start playing with the motorcycles. I don't think so. <laughs> but you know, it was just he just uh, uh, he's done so well, and, and and we're all very proud of him. And I hope he, uh, you know, the, I don't know if you've seen the pictures of uh, of his back, but I mean, if you ever saw it, it, it'd blow your mind because. You wonder how the hell he can even walk, much less get on a motorcycle and jump. And I mean, uh, this last jump that we had in California, it, uh, you know, I knew that we we were going to be, uh, you know, that that he was going to go, he was going to go long. And you know, when he hit the hay, he went right between the hay and and a rock and a cactus. And when I got to him, and I finally got the helmet loosened up, and I could talk to him. And, you know, at first he couldn't feel his legs, and you know, right away I thought that you know that was it. And uh, but you know, he got right back up again, and he ended up walking up the up the ramp, and 
and uh, you know he'll 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 come back and he'll do it again. And I hope not, but I you know I just I know how he is, <laughs> so just gonna be prepared and ready when it's when it's showtime and you get the call and you know it's time to to get everything ready and and hit the road again. It's uh uh you know I know it's coming. It's just a matter of time. Now that was the thing I was like I heard from you know Henry Lathan yourself how bad this and even Robbie just now how bad this back injury was. Do you think it's the smartest thing for him to still come back? No, no, I'm I'm actually you know I, I I'm I'm against it because I mean when you see it, it, it I mean it, you see these rods and these screws that are snapped right off you know and it, it there's just it's it's messed it's messed up so bad that that um you know he just he has faith and 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 uh he believes that that uh he's tougher than uh, which he is i mean he's tougher than hell and and you know he's not going to let something like this stop him which which does scare scares the hell out of me right but um you know he uh i i don't know I, I it's hard for me to sit here after all these years and say you know it's over uh because i know better you know there's been times i've thought that and i've wished that you know i thought god damn enough's enough you know especially after <laughs> you just get done going at a train head on or or uh you know miss miss your numbers on something like that you sit back and you know you put all the blame on yourself, and, and and that that's what's tough, you know, in my position, uh, you know, doing the setup. You know, one little thing goes wrong, you know, you're gonna deal with that for the rest of your life. And uh, you know, thank God he doesn't. You know, he never questions any anything. He just gets on it, and you know, we can talk to each other, you know, well enough where, you know, all he's got to do is say what he feels and I can make the changes and, and uh, he goes out and does it and he's just uh, like I said he's such a talented bike rider that uh, that uh, who knows when he's going to quit wow that's scary though it is scary but I you know I yeah. get it but it's scary now one thing too, like with uh, with Robbie, is uh, like he never used a speedometer. Like, <laughs> right? How, how the hell do you tell? Like, you know, you've you've hit that speed. That's got to. I would be so scared of that. Well, you know, I guess the theory is, you know, you start running up above, you know, pushing numbers over eighty. You know, and you're going at a four foot takeoff. You don't have a whole lot of time to be looking down to see how fast you're going. And you know, in, in, our deal is, is you know, uh, we know, you know, by gearing and, and by the jetting and the gearing and the, you know, we know how you know and radar guns and you know we know how how hard to push the bike and 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 he knows you know where he has to be and what gear. And that's how he hits it. You know, is there a lot of people still this to this day that say, I can't believe you don't use it. You know, the jumpers that still use uh, speedometers. And, you know, it's it's okay. 
Um, I worked with Lorenzo Lamas one time and, and was working with him, teaching him how to jump. And, you know, it was really what I did there is I just put some pylons down and, and, you know, he'd run 55 miles an hour between these two pylons. And, and once I got him up to that speed, you know, all he had to do was just keep it steady there and, you know, and he'd make it over a hundred feet. And so that, you know, there's still these guys out there that, 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 that do use the speedometer and, it's just something that we uh, never really ever felt comfortable with. Wow. Now, did you ever in your life uh, have the desire to want to jump? You know, uh, I was um, not really. It just I was a Northwest uh, uh, champion. Uh, in the expert class flat track racer, I had a ride with Yamaha. So my life was, you know, was flat track, dirt track racing. And, you know, so you, my goal was always, you know, to try to get, get that number one plate. And, you know, when it can't come to the jumping end of it, it was, you know, leave, leave it to let him do that shit. <laughs> you know, I, I watched too many times and I saw too much, you know, I was like, God damn. You know, and you know, I've gone off uh, off jumps, but I, I'd never, you know, I, I'd never. Is it something I ever wanted to do, or that was ever in my no? You know, because I understand it probably as well as anybody, and I just it's just something that um, I don't know. I, I I just felt a lot better on a dirt track than I did with the with all the wheels off the ground, I guess. <laughs> Uh, hey, Bray. Yes. Hey, uh, how you doing, Bill? This is Henry. Hey, uh, hey, Henry. How you doing? Hey, I have an interesting bit of trivia for you, Bay. That uh, I know Bill doesn't know. I'm going to pull this out, but uh, uh, imagine uh, live Fox broadcast, and uh, Mr. Rundle is the only person I know to be on live Fox TV, network TV all around the country and get away with saying motherfucker four times. <laughs> Jesus, I don't remember that one. You don't remember that? that? <laughs> don't There's a 30 limo jump. Robbie makes it, and you run up and hug him, oh, yeah. and you start saying that motherfucker over and over. Yeah. And it's a lot, and they didn't catch it. I thought that was awesome. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was a long ways, and you know that 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 whole week was a tough week because of the rain and the, you know that the the winds and you know the, the thirty you got to thirty limos lined up. That was a long way, and you know that was another deal where we knew we didn't have enough room to stop. But oh yeah, I'm sure I say it a lot. I just I'm not <laughs> conscious of it anymore. I'm, I'm probably even worse. I, I, I I've dealt with it. Bobby was talking about the chemo. I've I've been through. Uh, colon cancer, and then I I just been through uh, several major strokes. Okay. So I just uh, I blame the strokes on Robbie. Uh, <laughs> other, other than other than that, uh, you know, it's just uh, you just go day at a time. Well, growing up with Robbie, you got to tell us some uh, uh, some good teenage Robbie Knievel stories. You got any? I know you got thousands. You know, there's so many of them. I, 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 uh, I, I uh, probably uh, 
you know, I've got so many of them. But, you know, when he was young, he was just a handful. And uh, his dad bought him a brand new van. I'll never forget it. And they weren't getting along. And, and so his dad buys him a brand new custom van. So he goes and picks up, uh, picks these two gals up, and he takes them, going to take them duck hunting at 3 o'clock in the morning. And ends up rolling the van over in a ditch in in, in a, a creek. So in order to stay warm, they, they tore every bit of the interior out of the inside of his van and wrapped themselves in it until someone finally came and they put, put it back on its wheels. And he pulls up in front of my house and I almost shit. I went out there and here's this brand new van. <laughs> With duct tape and cardboard where the windows were, there wasn't a seat, uh, uh, headliner. He tore the whole thing to shit. And I thought, oh, you know, how are you going to explain this one? <laughs> you know, I thought, I'm glad your old man's down in Florida. That's all I can say. <laughs> but uh, I, I've seen him do some of just some, you know, he wasn't afraid of anything. And, uh, uh it's funny how the, the music store got robbed here several times, and and uh, I watch him do it. He, he, in fact, he borrowed a tire iron, and I wonder what the hell is he doing. I just have him be parked out there. He knocks the window out, and they go in there and they rob it and get busted. And then he did it a second time, knowing he could get away with it. And the judge told him, "said Mr. Keneal, if I catch you, if you rob that store again." You are going to go away, and it's not going to be at a girls' school where you just came from. You are going away, and you'll see what five years is like. You got that, Mr. Knievel? Robbie said, yes, sir. He said, all right. And then Robbie says, then I, I goes, I don't know. He said, I, I heard a couple years later it, it got robbed, but I don't know nothing about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's like a goofy he was, that's where him and his dad are a lot alike. <laughs> I read a story once about, and maybe it's about what you're talking about, him robbing a store, he got busted, and him and Evil got into it, and he ended up having to get some plastic surgery over that conversation. Is that true? He actually ended up uh, going to my mother and father's house, and uh, Evil had... Uh, yeah, he, he kicked him right in the face and and uh, smashed his nose and yeah, it was it was it was a real bad deal. And my mother and father wanted to take custody of Robbie. You know, at the time he was probably 15 years old. Um, and it was uh, you know, here's cop cars around the whole block and the Ferrari and and Linda's in the Lamborghini and uh, the, the wars on and and I mean it, it was just. Robbie, you know, the, the thing that you'll get out of this show is you'll find out about a guy that, you know, just because his name was Robbie Canelo, Robbie did everything on his own. He had no help from no one. You know, he uh, he did what he did on his own. And, you know, for that, you know, there's a, a lot of people who live off their, you know, live off their father's names or, uh, you know, they try to follow uh, their past, but you know, Robbie did it. You know, he he was a lot better bike rider, and, and you know, he, he he did it all on his own. 
Right. And uh, so that I'm pretty proud of, you know, that uh, that uh, his accomplishments in life were were awesome there at a young age, and and uh, I can't believe that we're we're this old and uh, still think about that stuff. But anyway, which uh, which Trump jump of uh, of Robbie's are are you most proud of? I'd have to say. You know, I, I like the 30 limousines because of the view of it. I mean, the length and everything was incredible. But I, I think the one that, that took a lot out of me, which was tough, was the uh, the train jump. Because it, um, you know, it, it, it came on so fast. And Matt Millen was working for Fox. And I was doing an interview, and it's like, you know, that's the last thing I really want to do is an interview. And we're starting the bike, and we're getting ready to jump this train because the train's, you know, it's on its way. Well, it's right. a steam engine, and, and you cannot, you know, you can't dial in a steam engine. I mean, it, it's, it, it might run 29 one time and 31 the next time. So, right. you know, you're, you're, you're doing your math, and you're trying to figure out, you know, exactly where you ought to be uh, as far as gearing and everything. And, and I was on my, I, I, I was, I sent them, you know, I, I knew where, where we had to be in. So I, I went ahead and told him, I, I, you know, go. Well, when he did, I, I, I noticed the bike spin and he had to get out of it and get back in and get out and get back in until it hooked up good. You know, so he lost a, a good quarter of a second anyway. And I'm just like, oh, fuck, he ain't going to beat that train. And what had happened was he was so, you know, he was so pumped up to 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 to, to get after that train that, that, you know, he was revving it up and and holding it wide open. Well, it, it had got warm because, of course, it's not moving and, you know, the radiator's not getting any air through it. And, and it spits some antifreeze out on the plywood. So the minute that rear tire hit it, it just started spinning like hell. And uh, once he got it over, you know, then he pulled off. If you watch, he pulled off onto the dirt and and bricks, and then he went right for him. And I mean, he, I don't know, it, it might have been a quarter of a second. It, it was, you know, that one there was. I, I just remember walking walking away from that one, saying, "I'm done. <laughs> I can't. I can't do this shit no more." <laughs> You know, I've had enough. How about the, uh, but, uh, the building the building one? The building the building was was another tough one because you know it was bad enough to have to get up on the building itself, uh, but then to build that big ramp off the back of it, I'm telling you, there, there wasn't there was only a handful of people, you know, and I'm talking two or three that would even walk up down where he was going. Sure. You know, we, we, uh, our big thing was, you know, you, you can't afford to miss, you know, you can't afford to miss a gear. You know, the the whole thing there was, you know, that you had to be right on. So he actually hung the front tire over the top of that ramp up above and got it into third gear and let that thing start spinning up above uh, when we were ready to send them. And so we just got the tire spinning until it was hot as it could get and sticky. And then he just started slipping the clutch and started down it and just held it wide open. Wow. So you know you didn't you didn't have the factor of uh, of having to shift. And uh, you know if you were you know if you were to miss a gear, you know you were in deep shit. 
But uh, that was another one I, you know, that I was so happy to see over with. Uh, I don't know. It's it's, it's been a hell of a ride. I, I've uh, I've been very fortunate to uh, to uh, do what I've done. I know that, and, and uh, you know there there are there the Knievel family is pretty much my family, and I love them all. And, and I can't wait for everybody to see this documentary. I know it's gonna, it'll blow your mind, and uh, I, I guarantee you, you will shed a tear. Wow. Yeah, that's that was one of my questions I asked to uh, to Jesse James Miller if uh, they think uh-huh. uh, think uh, people will be shedding a tear to this film. Yeah, you know I uh, I know every time I, you know my wife has seen it and. Uh, the times that I've watched and I, I have, you know, because it, it is, I mean, there's some very dark, there's some dark things in there. You know, like I said, Robbie did everything on his own. And, you know, when you think back when you were 15 years old, if you could have handled what he did, you know, he, he was pretty much on his own. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, uh, uh, it's been a great ride. That's all I can say. <laughs> uh, well, Bill, I want to thank you so much for uh, calling okay. in and hanging out with us and telling stories. And it's been an honor. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much, and Henry. Good luck to you. Uh, thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. Hope, hopefully, uh, you know, we, we we can talk about one more jump in the future someday. <laughs> Well, according to Robbie, Absolutely. we will. So uh, I, okay. I, I guess we'll be talking it's, again at some point. Yeah. All right. Well, sounds good. Good luck and God bless. You too, Bill. You Thank too, you, buddy. So much. Thanks. Okay. You bet. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, there he goes, Mr. Bill Rundle. And uh, actually, we have somebody who's been wait- waiting patiently on hold, and I'm not sure who it is. Let's find out. You're live on the air. Who's this? That's Mike Draper. Mike Draper, how are you? Draper, how you doing, buddy? Well, I'm listening to all these good guys, and I'm sorry I missed Robbie. I was listening to him uh, talk about where he had to go and stuff, and I was listening to Bill and stuff. Uh, just just listening to him too. Pretty interesting. You know, uh, it's it's. Uh, I'm glad you called in because when we first started talking about this, I, I was hoping that you were going to call in for this because I, I wanted to know like. A point of view from somebody like you who was around, you know, in them early years when Robbie was a kid. And, uh, you know, what was it like uh, seeing Robbie grow through the years? Well, I think statute of limitations is probably still keeping me from saying a lot of things about him. <laughs> oh. Just, uh, there's, there's a lot of stuff that he had. See, I was, I was probably 20, 21, and he was probably – Oh, 15 at the time, and like Bill was talking about, he was he was a handful and stuff, and uh, they definitely knew him in the town, and uh, he was pretty honored. I used to take him and his friends up to uh, uh, snowball at, at the uh, go skiing all the time. They were all avid skiers and stuff, and he was he was great on skis and like he is on motorcycles. But uh, he did run through a lot of stuff. Um, um, he's had a couple of things where he uh, has gone through and his dad was out of town and I happened to be in Butte and 
I kind of got the deal to if I could kind of help him along at the house or help him, you know, kind of watch over him and stuff. And right, was, uh, he definitely liked the the party and stuff. Uh, I do remember those guys like Annie Greensprings. We used to go to campfires and stuff, and he liked that. And uh, I can't think of the uh, Annie Greensprings had several different deals uh, of wine and stuff. Maybe I'd like to drink that. And, but uh, it was uh, it was pretty nice. It was. Uh, a different deal. I mean, it's. Uh, I can see where Robbie had a lot of stuff to live up to, and well, uh, you know, you didn't do it just like your dad. Well, you didn't. Your dad. How can we going to be like your dad? You know, just you know, on and on. So he had a lot of pressure. So. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it really sounds like you know. You always hear when people talk about Elvis, you know, the Memphis Mafia, but it really sounds like there was a uh, you know like a Butte Mafia with the uh, with the Knievel bunch and you guys. Yeah, it was kind of deal. I mean, when he come to town, uh, you know, he pretty well uh, he took me a tour of all the uh, beer joints downtown and stuff, and uh, introduced me to all his friends. And uh, that's about what beat was for a long time was just every other block was uh, was beer joints to be into, and uh, I guess they had a lot of prostitution towns in there for all the miners and stuff. And uh, it's an interesting town. I mean, it was. Uh, <laughs> I took I took a tour of the of the mine before they closed it up, the Anaconda mine. Um got to go down to the mile and with about ten other people in an elevator went down the mile to look at the mines down there where those guys worked all the time and uh, took a lot of tours there, stayed at the War Bonnet Inn. I don't think that's there anymore. Um, but uh like I said, you know, I took Robbie a lot of time with him and his friends and stuff. We'd go hunting and and uh, took him skiing quite a little bit, and uh, they tried to teach me how to ski and stuff. And if they could put a ski on my back, I'd have been successful. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> pretty interesting. It was quite a little devil in my life because I was, like I say, I was twenty, and uh, those guys were a lot younger than I was and stuff. And, um, and I, I did go to his. Uh, uh, Robbie's jump out there in Las Vegas when he went over the limousines and got hooked back up with there. Before then, uh, Evil had jumped at the Kansas State Fair back in like in 71. And Robbie, uh, oh, quite a few years after that, him and Bill came to Hutchison, Kansas, and Robbie called me and asked me if I'd come over and kind of be on his pit crew and stuff. And uh, it was pretty, pretty interesting to come back and he jumped at the State Fair like his dad did, and <clears throat> that's where it kind of run into that, where it's always kind of small being back in Kansas, where the museum's at, uh, or evil, is uh, Mike Patterson was up in the stands, and he was only five years old. Wow. Um, so, I mean, he owns the Harley-Davidson place in uh, Topeka, and we got the museum and stuff, so it's just really kind of a small world here in Kansas, uh, you know, Evil started out with Joey Chitwood and a lot of his stuff. Uh, there's a guy that owns the Cadillac pickup. Uh, he's in Eureka, Kansas. And then Lee was from Kansas. I was from Kansas. Um, it just, the Kansas connection's been pretty strong. Wow. But, uh, but yeah, Robbie's, Robbie's done a lot. I mean, I was really uh, 
impressed with it, you know, like that building to building. And I'm sure Bill was probably erect after watching all that stuff. And <laughs> I thought he'd say something about jumping at the end of the Grand Canyon. I thought that that was uh, in the middle of the deal that started snowing. Uh, how that weather changed up there was just unbelievable. It, it, it didn't blow wind. It was snowing. And and uh, I bet Bill was just as nervous as, as Robbie was on that deal. Now, watching all that stuff like, over the years, like, uh, you know, being the fact that you were there, you know, through the, the evil times, and then you're seeing uh, Robbie do this stuff. And, and I mean, he really, he, you know, you're jumping building the building, piece of the Grand Canyon, all these crazy. What were the thoughts that really went through? Yeah, there was, uh, it was, uh, it was, it was quite interesting that Robbie took on that and did quite a little bit, but, uh, you know, like I said, uh, Bill was probably a lot more close to that, but I, uh, Linda and, uh, Tracy and, and Kelly and everything. I mean, uh, Robbie and Kelly rode with me and Lee in the truck one time we went through the, uh, Royal Gorge and went through there and just a regular couple of kids that wanted to do some stuff. We took them all to her there cause there was a lot of times that their dad didn't have time to do that. And plus being in a celebrity status, he had, uh, you know, he, they really didn't get to do a lot of stuff. Right. With, with, with their dad and stuff. So, hmm. uh, no, Robbie and, and Kelly, you know, they came wrote in the, in the, uh, performance, you know, he'd introduce them and you see him in some of the pictures that Robbie was a good wheelie, you know, and kind of, wheelied with his dad most of the time. Kelly didn't do a whole lot of this stuff. Uh, he just wasn't that interested in doing that. And Kelly was, or in Trace, I'm sorry, Robbie was. Robbie really liked to do all of that. And uh, so I think it's it kind of bounced off it. And he really wanted to impress his dad, and he did. You know, that's, uh, you know, the, the person who uh, really gets no mention at all very rarely does he get brought up is Kelly. And uh, I'm sure there's a whole other story there as well. Well, there is. I just, uh, Kelly just wanted to take a different path, and he has. I mean, he does some stuff now that he helps kind of promote the brand and, of, uh, of Knievel and stuff. But he uh, uh, really jumping the motorcycle uh, wasn't his thing. It just wasn't, you know, he was, he, uh, to me, he was a lot more shy than, uh, well, Robbie was never shy. So right. I'd have to say that, that, that Kelly was more of the shy person and kind of the background and uh, just really didn't, uh, just didn't have any inclination about jumping or doing any of that stuff with the motorcycles. He did because his dad wanted him introduced on the deal and he did do some stuff, but if you ever see Robbie with his dad and, and uh, Kelly, you can see Robbie is the one out in front doing all the wheelies and back and forth. And, uh, and uh, it, it, evil could be pretty intense. You know, he wanted his boys to really shine in doing that and doing so, uh, you know, it's like, can't you do anything right or something? I mean, he just, he was pretty intense. Hmm. It, it's, it's, did you ever? I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Ever, uh, Mike, did you ever 
see Robbie as a very young boy and think to yourself, he's going to be better than his dad one day. Well, I, I knew that Robbie, if he stayed with us, he was going to be, because um, he was already jumping with the uh, motocrossing and doing a lot of that stuff. Um, and being that young and stuff, you know, being invincible, I'll never be hurt, you know. And and there's lots of stuff he'd do that just uh, would blow your mind. I mean, that's uh, he, he started doing things on his jumping and stuff that his dad would have never done. And uh, but it's just that uh, he did a lot of stuff on his own. I mean, his dad tried to help him on some of his stuff, but that's where they they clash on a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, I know how to jump. You don't have to tell me how to jump. And you know, it just uh, it, it was kind of hard on him about doing this. But I, I really thought that Robbie is gonna you know outshine his dad on it and. Uh, he did do that on wheelies. He did that on a lot of stuff that he outshined his dad on. But uh, his dad had a short temper with him on a lot of stuff. Did you ever, uh, like in the last couple uh, shows Robbie did, the big stuff before Evil passed, you know, they'd always cut to a picture of Evil watching, and he just had this look of pure dread on his face like uh, you know I created all this and uh, my son might end up dead and uh, I'm, I'm I'm kind of responsible for this did you ever uh, see that or, or you know hear evil talk about that yeah you can see him he really didn't I don't think he wanted Robbie to get quite this far into it he, I think he wanted to show him off and stuff but I don't think he wanted to get into that business because he went through all that stuff. And I think you can see that in his face when they, uh, Robbie did Caesar's Palace. Uh, he was pretty gloomed through the whole thing, and he was not happy with it at all because he'd seen all those other writers, uh, you know, crippled for life and stuff, and then almost him, uh, almost did him in. He just, uh, he was so glad that he made it the deal, you know, did real well, but you could tell he was on pins and needles when when Robbie was going up there. I mean, he, it, it, you know, he's trying to tell him, you know, oh, you got to do this, you got to do that. And Robbie said, I already know that, I know that, and I'm sure the tension was pretty heavy duty there. But uh, Evil's got a terrible look on his face like that could happen. It could. It could have happened very easily, but uh, he definitely was not not really enthused that he was going to do that, but Robbie was headstrong and said, I'm going to do it. So, um, and I'm glad that he did it and did it pretty well. But, but evil was just really uptight about that. Hmm. Yeah. It looked like somebody was walking over his grave when they was interviewing him. And, you know, me and Bay talked about this earlier. A lot of times, even me, you know, I don't jump the distance as Robbie does, but, you know, uh, people walk up and they act like it's a joke. Motorcycle jumping is no joke, and you can die just in a matter of seconds, and, you know, people don't take that serious. I've fallen off and, you know, broke a shoulder, and people walk up and slap you on the back, and you wince, and, oh, you're really hurt. Well, no shit. I just fell off a, 
a four wheeler sixty five mile an hour and hit the pavement. They don't they don't they have a disconnect. They don't see that as real. And I always watch, you know, that look on evil's face and that you know, I could not imagine as a parent having my son go out there and do that, knowing that I'm the reason he's doing it and he could die. Exactly. You know, and if not kill him, it would just cripple him for life and stuff, and you'd live by that with the rest of your life about that I did that. But I, I always did. If I ever got a wild hair that I thought I would need to jump or anything, I just walked up to the takeoff ramp, looked across there, and said, nope, go back to setting them up and push these motorcycles around for him. So, <laughs> yeah. it, uh, you get somebody to walk up that ramp. I'm not kidding you. It, it looks. You know, oh, man, that was kind of easy. Oh, man, he went right across there. Uh, that was no big deal. But you walk up the end of that, or go up the takeoff ramp and look across there, man, that's just unbelievable. And he had to look at that each time he'd going across there. And go, oh, Robbie does and spikes himself up, and you do. Um, <clears throat> you're like, God, there's got to be an easier way to make a living. Wow. Oh. <laughs> uh... Yeah, I, I would. Hope, not. That's true. That's true. I always wondered, like, what, what, uh, what evil or even Robbie thought, like, about, um, and this is no offense to you, Henry, but other daredevils, you know, especially back then, like, coming up in the in the seventies, that were trying to, you know, do the evil can evil thing, like, what they they thought if they thought of them as, um. You know, uh, well, there's there's stories about this uh, where evil has uh, like Johnny Airtime. You know who Johnny Airtime is? He's actually uh, told me stories about evil uh, taking him to court so he couldn't jump at a certain place, and it was purely you know professional. I guess in this case, this courtesy, he just didn't want. Uh, in any of uh, the Knievel glory and they they were pretty cutthroat about it. Now I right. have a I have an advantage over a lot of these guys because I don't do the same thing. I jump with a four wheeler, they jump with bikes, so I'm not really stepping on their toes. Uh I do wear the outfit and that but and Robbie laughed and he told me he said you're like the third Knievel. And Look, there's no better compliment I could ever get. But I really don't do the same thing those guys do. And, you know, Evil and Robbie didn't do the same thing. Evil did it with a Harley. Right. A big, heavy, awkward piece of crap. And Robbie did it on a CR500. And I actually, I owned a CR500, and I jumped it plenty of times. I jumped one over 170 feet. And when I did it, I realized that wasn't for me. It wasn't. It wasn't that it really scared the hell out of me or anything. It's just that just being done by somebody already, and I'm just going to end up a copycat. And I didn't want to be that. So, uh, and I've heard stories of Robbie doing similar things. Uh, but you know, like that. A lot of these, as we've experienced on your show, mm-hmm. a lot of these daredevils are. Uh, they they get kind of petty. I've, now I've never had a bad thing with Evil or Robbie, so I can't comment on that. But uh, a lot of these guys are very competitive, 
and they're completely uh, junkies for the limelight. So, sure. uh, you know, it, 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 friendships could easily be ruined over hardly anything. I, I, I you know, it, it kind of reminds me of like, uh, like the wrestling business almost kind of too with uh, situations like that. Well, you've well, had uh, dozens of people out there, uh, you know, with all their personas. I mean, it's very much like professional wrestling. Yeah. Uh, you know, people think that wrestling is a joke, but it's not a joke. The injuries are real, and they really have to be good athletes. Well, it's the same thing with jumping. People take that as it's a put-on. Oh, he's not really hurt. The hell they ain't. Yeah, right. I look. I've done this for almost uh, forty-five years now. I've been jumping, and I got to tell you, there's nothing I love more as an activity or a thing to do. This is what I was made to do. But uh, you know that shit hurts. It's real, and uh, you know it's easy to put your finger and say, "Oh, I can do that." But unless you're out there actually doing it, you need to shut the hell up. Yeah, it's true. You can't really, uh, if you haven't done it, you have really to speak it. And silence. <laughs> this is, you know, motorcycle jumping is thrilling. Even even okay. after all these years, it's thrilling. But. You know, you see these guys, uh, the the monster energy drink sponsored guys that go off a 40-foot ramp. And, you know, um, Jason Bird, as I said, he jumps 500 feet. He's 92 feet in the air at the apex of his jump. 92 feet. He's twice the height of a telephone pole. Are you kidding me? (laughs) That's not the same thing. How, how about uh, Mike? You, I guess you would probably know this answer possibly. Like when uh, you mentioned them earlier, it was Gary Wells when he tried to jump the fountains, um, and he that heart, which I think his crash might even be more uh, horrendous than Evil's at the fountains. Um, what Evil's opinion of that was? Or even Robbie's opinion. Well, there was there was lots of stuff with it, uh, you know, in the windows at the uh, uh, somebody moved his ramp and moved it moved the ramp away, and there was a lot of stuff that they thought that uh, that they had done that. Uh, there was lots of rumors going around that somebody moved the ramp up, you know, and tried to do in his jump and. You know, it got pretty competitive back there doing some stuff, and it's like anybody else that says, oh, I can jump farther than evil, and I can do this. And But it was always kind of a compliment because for you to get ahead about doing this, you'd have to say that I did something better than evil can evil because that was the thing to do that. And then uh, pretty soon, you know, evil was like, well, I got to come up with something different. I got to be a little further. I got to do something like that. Well, it finally realized to me, he says, I don't have to jump, you know, two, three, four hundred feet. You know, I do my stuff. I do my show. And 
And that's one thing about it. Evil put on a show. He just didn't come out there and say, I can jump over that. And everybody kind of went home. He always had a little, you know, let me warm up my motorcycle or do some wheelies and, and the jet bike. He added that to it. Uh, later on, he added his uh, dragster, you know, added to the show to do that. Um, and then he always had a little spiel about telling about kicking kids off the drug, um, you know, and then he he come up with a deal about, um, you know, when he jumped the canyon and he'd keep his word and, you know, just all of that stuff, it, it all worked together, uh, uh, you know, to make it a whole show together. It wasn't just him coming out there and jumping. He had a little a message to tell and he always had something different to do. Like I said, they saw the jet bike and they saw the big truck and, and uh, I mean, there was just, he liked to entertain people about doing some stuff with it. He, uh, he did real well. Um, then when he, well, he, he tried to drum up some business about when he did that, uh, I don't know what he's smoking in that day, but when he's talking about jumping in that haystack, um, that just, I don't know. We had, you know, that time we changed the paint on the truck and put the big haystack on the side of the truck and, and, uh, he was going to do that, and uh, somebody finally that was experienced in skydiving doing something said, you're not, you said, you, you've not had any experience in doing that. <clears throat> but what was amazing, they said, oh, you, you couldn't pick the haystack. They were trying to get the Las Vegas new bet, which you stack to go into. And, um, but you know what's kind of weird about that? You know, and they were talking about jumping in a haystack. He got killed. uh there was a jump here, and I can't remember the guy's name, but it was pretty impressive where they went up almost into outer space, and he jumped off, and he landed in this big spring net like you do at the circus, you know, when you fall off the dealer. Yeah. Um, that was pretty impressive. And I thought, you know, and he was—he had to do that. He had to pick that a certain place when he landed. Um I got to thinking, I said, you know, this is kind of a haystack reenactment here about him falling into that, and he, he survived it. Uh, yeah, that, that, that jump was crazy. You bet that was. I mean, but uh, that was that was the same thing that Evil was talking about, jumping out of, you know, an airplane pretty high, and then he was going to have like four or five haystacks, and you got to guess which one he was going to jump in, in big bets and whatever it was. But... Uh, this guy here, I think, is practiced a little bit more than what evil was of jumping out of airplanes and doing stuff. And, and the he distance he went up in the in the air, a hundred and twenty thousand being in space when he jumped off, and yeah, there's a lot of. But uh, and to, and to hit that net, that probably looked like a head of a pin when he was coming down. Uh, oh sure, and beyond that, that just that was just totally amazing. I don't even know how you would like eat, come up with that and then figure out how to do that. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's uh, it was just one of the other deal. Like I say, with a haystack deal, they finally convinced him that that'd be way lots of stuff to do. And I can't imagine what this guy spent on that jump. That had to be astronomical for what he did. Uh, but I'm sure he's making it back on lots of movie rights and a lot of movies and stuff on that. But that was that was plum crazy. But. Absolutely. 
Evil was a pioneer, you know, a lot of different stuff like that. You know, he, he jumped the sharks, and now every major media organization jumping the shark. Well, he's a promoter. I mean, he knew how to promote, he knew how to promote himself. Um, that's the biggest thing about it is everybody say snake all about doing this, but, you know, to show somebody up is you got to promote yourself, and that's what he did. Um um, like I said, they still use him for a lot of stuff, you know, in uh, in movies and things when somebody wants you to do something. Like, what do you think I am? Evil Knievel? Yeah. Um, you know, they, who else has got a name like Evil Knievel? I mean, that just rolls off the tongue. Well, see, that's that's another thing. You know, we had a persona about doing that. Uh, and you know where old Castine uh, you know, good friend of evils about doing. Uh, uh, so talking about that one day, and he said, you know, this guy was rubbing shoulders with all the big name celebrity stars and wild world of sports, and I mean, everybody knew who this was. He's one Johnny Carson, and he's a motorcycle jumper. Wow, you know, that's just unbelievable. He actually made that. You know that motorcycle jumpers were important, and. Uh, you know, as part of a sport, so you know, he created that persona about doing it. But he just, uh, we we talked about that several times. It just, you know, he started out as just a motorcycle jumper, and then all of a sudden, this is this crazy guy at Caesar's Palace that looks like a rag doll coming down the ramp. You know, it's too bad he got killed, and they go, "No, he lived. He still does this." And I'm like, "He does? Wow!" That's yeah, that made look. Yeah, as I say, when you look back at that now, too, I think you brought up a good point. Like, like uh, you know, recently with uh, Don Rickles passing away, you go back and you look at them old Dean Martin roast, and there's Evil Knievel. You know what I mean? Like, he truly crossed over to uh, Donnie and Marie. Yeah, yeah, like a side that nobody ever would have thought of. The bionic what a, woman. What a bionic woman. Tony, uh, Telly Savalas. Uh, Bob Hope, he played in all the Bob Hope uh, uh, golfing tournaments. Um, he, Frank Sinatra, he kind of, not really a true, you know, where they've seen him a lot, but he he talked to him and, you know, they did now, stuff. I have an interesting question about Uh-oh. what we're talking about right now that ties in with Robbie. You've seen, you know, there was a couple uh like kids TV episodes that Robbie was actually in. Why don't you, you have any idea why he really didn't take like evil did? Uh, Robbie's not a good promoter. I hate to say it, but he's not, he doesn't promote himself. Well, um, he's, he's kind of coming out of his shell. I don't like when I was listening to him. He's, he's excited on what he's doing and, and promoting himself to doing it, but it, I don't know. It's uh, that is one thing. Uh, I, I don't know how to say it. it. It's hard to do because evil come up with lots of schemes to get himself, you know, put his name up or doing it. Like I say, call that call that hotel, use different uh, names, and you know, to get them interested in doing that. You know, like who is this guy? What is it? Um, I guess it's just kind of like they have a a service now that you can hire the paparazzi 
to follow you around town and take pictures and everything <laughs> and make people think of who you are. And that's, that's kind of what evil did is he made himself important. Um, I don't know how he, you know, it's weird how he did that. A motorcycle guy that did that, but uh, he had all the right people. And, uh, he had the right guy taking the pictures there and his wife, uh, Linda, never been at the, at the uh, Secret's Palace. I mean, there's some big names right there. Uh, you got a couple of big breaks and stuff on it. And once you got in there, they they wanted to have evil Knievel at the jump. They had paid good money for it. I mean, that, that was the biggest thing that he had to get them to convince them that, you know, he wanted ten, twenty thousand, thirty thousand dollars $20,000, $30,000 to do that. And, uh, and uh, they said, well, if you want a big thing, you need that. That's who you hired, and that's how much it's going to cost. And, you know, and he'd tell him, he said, I'm going to pack the stands. And he usually did that. That's that's the same way when uh, Hugo did that when he promoted him here at the Kansas State Fair. He said, I'll pack that place. And everybody's like, yeah, yeah, right. And In fact, the state board or the fair board, the guys that put him on, he thought, yeah, here's a guy on a motorcycle. He's going to jump over some trucks. Oh, hum, you know, and. And they gave him a bigger cut of the gate, whatever it is, because they didn't think they'd have over 10, 15 people in the stands. And they were used to promoting a lot of country-western shows at the deal. They never had anything like this. And when they packed that both days, I mean, sell out crowds and doing that, it finally got their attention like, holy crap, you know, we gave, <laughs> we gave away a lot of money, you know. <laughs> you know, when they, they just judged the book by its cover and they didn't know how – you know, much people were really enthused about going and seeing this. Yeah, I mean, that, that's. I mean, think about that too. Like selling the show of uh, of a jump. Um, I mean, let's face it. The, the actual jump itself. How long does it take, Henry? I mean, how long are you airborne? Five to seven seconds. seconds. Right. So, I mean, to to sell that is, is an impressive job in itself. Well, the actual jump is almost, if you do it correctly, the actual jump is almost, a, you know, uh, anticlimactic. Yes. There was, you know, there was you a, lot out, you, you, a lot of film taken of it. Because, you know, exactly. they make a run for the reel. They start taking pictures and everything, and he never jumped. And then all of a sudden, when he did it, and they didn't have their camera ready, the flash wouldn't go off or whatever it was. Right. Well, it's all over with. <laughs> it's done. <laughs> oh boy oh boy life of being a daredevil it's better than it sounds I promise <laughs> so anything uh, anything else you guys want to add to the whole uh, the whole chasing evil party well I listen I'm I just totally uh Stoked that uh, you know Robbie claims he's going to keep jumping uh, as long as he doesn't hurt himself, you know permanently. I'm all for it. I love that dude. Um, I'm excited to see this film, and uh, I mean you're you know all three of us are uh, fans of the the family, and uh, you know Mike knows a, a lot more than we do, but. Uh, yeah, man. I, I and I guess there's another one coming after this, so there'll be a trilogy. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see it. 
Well, I think, you know, that it sounds like Robbie's changing stuff around, and I think Bill hit a lot of stuff on the head that he he had a lot of that stuff, the DUI. Uh, and I think that uh, if you've seen that picture of him sitting at the table there in the courtroom, uh, I, I couldn't believe that was Robbie. I mean, it just looked yeah. totally different. <laughs> and uh, to hear him on the radio tonight, he sounds more upbeat. Um and he sounds like what he wants to do. And I just, I wish he could get to the point, And I think he's starting to get to the point that they're going to see him as Robbie Knievel in what he did. So he can sign autographs, sign t-shirts and pay for all of his dues. I mean, he's, uh, he's paid his dues. He just needs somebody to, um, that's kind of what evil got to doing, you know, in his, in his later years and stuff, even though his health wouldn't really went bad. Uh, he had a, you know, something he could tour with, and people remember. They come up, they have autographs, they still with their kids, their dads, and all that stuff. And about doing this, and that's, you know, and evil didn't have to come there, and all he had to do is be in the parade and shake hands and, and do stuff. And that's, I think that's going to be great. And you know, Robbie's even, uh, they've got Robbie's stuff in the museum up there. They've got his leathers, and they've got some of the stuff on him, performing with his dad and doing stuff. Uh, they didn't leave him out on any of that stuff. So I'm hoping that, you know, if he wants to come by the museum and doing it when they have their opening and stuff, I think that'll be great. And I think there'll be a lot of people that really shake his hand and, you know, shaking a hand of a Knievel. So. Absolutely. I hope one day Robbie gets his own museum. Could possibly do it. Uh, it's just, or, you know, or add another section to this one. I think it'll be. Absolutely. Both of them. And then just uh, a few feet down the hall, there'll be the pit bull section. <laughs> well, I was up, when I was up there and everything, we're taking a tour of that, and I said, uh, and I looked at the closet door, and I said, is this, is this a display for me and Lee? And they kind of laughed. They said, yeah, we could, <laughs> we could probably squeeze that in there. So, so. Oh, that's funny. Cool. You know what? I, I, as you said that, I never seen the the pictures from the courtroom. I'm just looking at them now. Yeah, you wouldn't even know that was Robbie. Whoops. Did you see the X-rays? The X-rays? Yeah. Did you see these X-rays, Bray? Oh. Oh uh, yeah. Mike sent them to me. They're gnarly looking. <laughs> Look like a big killer zipper on his back. Oh boy. And then, uh, and then he was Robbie was talking about. I heard him talking earlier about that cage around his spine. And then you look in there, and there's a broken bolt in the middle of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's what he was talking about when he landed. Uh, I can't remember which jump it was that Bill was talking about that he landed in, and that's the one that they broke. And then they had to go back in there and <clears throat> remove all that stuff and redo it. And you only, you only get so many. You only get too many times. It's like a wood screw that pulls out the hole and everything. You can only patch that so many times, and right. when you don't have enough material to keep doing that, and so uh, that's like I'm hoping that he doesn't have to jump no hundred, one hundred feet or or deal. He you know he can jump over three, four, five cars, and I think still impress a lot of people about doing that. And if he just has to do that, I hope he just. Doesn't think he's got a drive, you know. He's four or five hundred feet to go. 
Well, I can tell you from experience. And, and, I'm, and I'm not really stacking it on. Uh, uh, he said that jumper, the daredevil, the bird, you know, is how yeah. high he goes while doing that. Um, not putting him down, but there's a lot, a lot of people that know who he is. That's exactly uh, right. And, you know, here this guy, that guy is really risking big, big things to try to make, you know, a name for himself. And, you know, talk about evil jumping 140 feet like that. And, you know, the guy's known worldwide. So yeah. really jumping further and further and further, you know, and, and, and getting paid the same amount of money and doing that <laughs> more injury. You know, it just kind of, it, it's, that's what evil was talking about. He says, I don't have to jump a long ways to stay, keep my name. That's absolutely and I'm right. Hoping, and I'm hoping Robbie does that. You know, uh, he just my, takes his mile jumps and, I mean, any of them are scary that you could do anything could happen, but uh, I just hope that that's what he does. I, I can. I can tell you personally, there's something inside of me, and I'm sure Rob and every other jumper out there, we just want to go out and do it. I'd be out there doing it in the field by myself, and maybe one day you'll, you know, uh, people will hear that uh, former daredevil, blah, 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 uh, died because he fell over with a heart attack at 92 years old out jumping ramps with his four-wheelers. <laughs> Yep. But I want to do it. I yep. I, I crave to do it, and uh, I'm sure Robbie's not any different. And it's, it's not so much about the, you know, you set a challenge for yourself, and you go out there and you want to accomplish it. And, it, you know, if you can make money and you get people to come see you and maybe influence people, you know, positively, then exactly. we're better for it. Yep. And you got to... Uh... And people remember how, you know, how showmanship you do. I mean, it, uh, there's lots of jumpers. I mean, I, I got looked at all the different motorcycle jumpers and stuff, and I recognize a few of them, but not all of them. And, you know, and, and you go ask anybody that they, you know, about a motorcycle jumper. Now, they'll either come up now uh, and they'll say, Robbie Knievel. You know, it used to be, you know, everything you ask somebody would be evil, you know, a, a Knievel, a motorcycle jump. They spell his first name wrong. They don't know that, but they do remember a guy being a motorcycle jumper as him. And, uh, but, but see, evil, uh, you know, like I said, he was a good promoter. He got on some shows. He got Joey Bishop, you know, to put him on his deal. Uh, Carson got his deal. Um, he was talking about Donnie Marie. That was, that was a hot show back in the 70s, you know, that couldn't have. He got lots of publicity off that one too. He was getting a different crowd and stuff. It's um, and then that movie, you know, Bionic Woman was a hot thing going on there, and here he was in a movie. Uh, George Hamilton's playing him in a movie. Yep. Yep. He's playing himself in a movie. I mean, yep. People don't realize how huge he was, and <laughs> I would have liked nothing better than to see Robbie parlay that like his dad did, but it just didn't, it just didn't happen. No, no, there was just a lot of, 
two different kind of personalities, and they just uh, they're both good at what they do. But uh, I, I just think Evil had a little bit more uh, a little bit more uh, BS to him, a little bit more uh, snake oil and stuff to promote himself, and uh, he, he got in that door. And I think, now, uh, I think Robbie's looking for that door, and I, if he's doing it, he's knocking on this one because it sounds like he's he's changed his altitude. You know, find out that uh, that's one thing that his dad didn't really – you never saw him getting down really, really drunk. Uh, he, he just never did do that. Um, and being intoxicated and doing – you know, he did a couple of interviews, you know, where he had a few and stuff about – he never got it where he was just really drunk. And right. that's one thing that evil always promoted about doing this because, uh, he wanted to be known. I mean, I, I had to, when evil got in trouble and stuff, he remembered back when he, he was a Bob Hope golf classic and he happened to cuss in front of his wife, Dolores Hope. And, um, he got to thinking about that and he wrote a real, you know, letter apologizing for that. You know, I don't, you know, usually talk like that in the public. I'm sorry. I told her, you know, bad, bad. She might not even heard it, but he, he thought that she did. And, uh, we had to buy, uh, 12 white, uh, roses and, uh, take this letter to their, to Bob Hope's house, which Carl Green and I did that. We went over to Bob Hope's house. He wasn't there. They were in Palm Springs. So, if you ever been around evil, when he tells you, I want you to personally deliver this, I want you to go get this. We drove to Palm Springs that night and <laughs> delivered it to the house. Took these, had to find these white roses, which were out of, were out of season. I finally found a florist in Los Angeles and we took them to Palm Springs to the house. And, uh, the, the maid that was there, she said that she's already in bed, but she says, I'll make sure that she gets this personally in the morning. And I said, okay. Well, it, it kind of got us by, you know, we pull up there and there's two crazy guys got flowers and deals to Dolores Hope. <coughs> we were in the red Cadillac pickup, so it looked good. So we were, <laughs> but it worked out pretty good. But it is it it like that, that evil just didn't want to be known to that. Uh, now he could get his temper up and going stuff, but he never really got falling down drunk. He never got, uh, you know, some of that stuff. We just, uh, seen him drink a lot but he you know when he would out there and party and he gets to doing those shots and stuff but usually when he got the feeling he he'd go back to his room he didn't stay up and do that <laughs> so that's one thing that you know robbie's got bad for him he's got the dui he's got some other stuff on him and um uh, he's got he had a lot to overcome but it sounds like he's doing a lot better that's good that is definitely good and I hope he does. Me too. And hopefully that, and this, you know. And this, and this film, this new film to come out that they've got, uh, I think is going to help. I think it helped him a lot to see that and going, wow, there is somebody that cares. There is somebody that's looking. And yeah, that is my story. That's that's what I'm doing. So uh, sometimes it takes something like that to have somebody look at it and go, wow, I did all that. <laughs> you know, and yeah. I think he would be surprised to see how long of a memory all of his fans really have because 
you know, oh. as a jumper and a fan of theirs, uh, you know, I, I just absolutely love watching that stuff, and I haven't forgotten a thing. Nope. They they know exactly what I mean. They, he's got some pretty good fan base. Uh, the ones when we were there at the Los, or Las Vegas at that time, you know, when he jumped over the 30 limos, he had a terrific, you know, and then, you know, he had another guy come along, Spanky Spangler, you know, that was a daredevil doing some stuff in cars, you know, flipping the car over in the boxes and stuff. And Spanky made his name quite a little bit. Uh, in fact, at the same time, or not at the same time, Robbie did his deal down at the, um, uh, uh, the other hotel, and then uh, Spanky Spangler did his jump at the uh, New Orleans hotel up there and jumped over that, and his jump kind of went a little haywire, and he missed the boxes and flipped over on top, and Robbie was there, went over there and helped him get out of his seatbelt and stuff. But, um, you know, it's it's a small world. After you get into that deal, you meet a lot of different people. Yes, you do. So, I'm sure. Cool. Well, let's uh, let's wrap this show on up. It's uh, it's been an honor, Mike. It's always an honor to talk to you and hear the stories and the insight from you. The Evil family's gone through lots, you know, and these two guys have done some stuff. And and uh, like I said, I'm glad that Robbie's sound like he's coming out of his shell and he's going to do some stuff. And uh, kind of surprised me about the two uh, uh, dummies and stuff that he's. Uh, you know, he kind of do his dads and stuff and comedy act. I thought that was like, this is a little far on the other side. And I don't know, Henry, or is that something you're going to do later on? Or That's nothing. I do the comedy act right now every time I talk about Super Joe Reed. <laughs> okay. So, so I'm, like I said, I'm hoping he he does well. He's gone through an awful lot, so I think he can probably he get all this stuff going and and move ahead, I think it'd be okay. Yeah. I, I want to see it happen. Absolutely. Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Always a pleasure, guys. Thanks, everybody, okay. who tuned in tonight. Thanks to uh, Lathan, Jesse James, uh, and, of course, Robbie for calling in. And yeah. We're all, we're all uh, proud of you, Robbie, and we're all looking forward to the film and uh, looking for the big uh, – comeback and turnaround of your life and career so uh love you mike love you bay you guys have a good holiday. Bye, okay see you guys later take care guys all right thanks again for tuning in and uh, remember not only to stay driven but happy landings take care everybody <laughs> <laughs>